Blog Talk Radio. Ready, set, Welcome to the Couch Potato Sports Show, your internet radio home for all sports news and talk. Join Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio, and the best co-host anyone can ask for, Cuervo. We cover it all from NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, as well as indoor football and high school sports. So let's do this. Here's Sonny Clark. going to happen on the football field as well some other things going on so we're no you know i i see this all the time within our show and i mean it we're no better no worse than in you know what whoever's doing it cbs nbc fox whoever the hell is doing it or espn i don't care who's doing it we're no worse than them we just don't have all the money behind us like ESPN and everybody else has in order to do what they do. Uh, but we keep our own. We hold our own. And we hold it all year long. We give out our opinions, and it may not be you know, a lot of opinions of what people like. But I will tell you this is you'll hear some opinions on this show that you definitely will not hear on the big wigs. You won't hear a lot of things that we're going to talk about, or at least the opinions that we have on certain subjects. You won't hear that over on ESPN, Fox, or whatever, because they got a lot of stuff that they've got to cover for, which is their behinds. Now, we got to cover our behinds to a certain point, but not when it comes to our opinion, and we don't shy away from it, which is also another good thing about what we do. I'm not going to shy against uh, away from some opinions about the NFL and what they do how they do it, when they do it, why they do it. So we're going to be talking about that. Lots of other things going on. We're going to talk a little bit about the um, the Hall of Fame. Uh, Got a great thread going on my page with lots of opinions. None of them are wrong, by the way. It's just personal opinions. But we are going to talk about that. Talk about the NFL and where... This game has come, and when did it start that the NFL really, really were put on the grandest stage of them all? Now, we talk about the grandest stage of them all when you're talking about wrestling, you know, WrestleMania is the grandest stage of them all. We talk about that. So... The way I look at it, this is the grandest thing. How and when did it become really big? We're going to talk about that 
because I think I've pinpointed when it happened and where the all of a sudden the turn of what Super Bowl week is all about, the Super Bowl in general is about. I think I've finally pinpointed it. It didn't. It wasn't very hard either, by the way, to figure that out. I think because I figured it out. And if Sonny figures it out, it's got to be somewhat easy. But I did. I figured it out. That having been said, let's bring him in. In case you didn't know. That's right. It's Quavo, the fine co-host of this program here on a Sunday morning. It's that being said. And Super Bowl weekend. Welcome to Super Bowl weekend, Quavo. Sound check, Sonny. How do I sound? Uh, You're real low, actually. And it might just be now? my ears. How about now? Ah, that's better. All right, Sonny. What's up? What's up? <laughs> Sonny, the day is finally here. Super Bowl Sunday. This is what football fans live for. This is what we wait for. And uh, it's finally here. So uh, happy Super Bowl Sunday to you as well, my friend. Um, how, how's it going? Doing good. Hey, it's tomorrow should really be a national holiday because no one's going to want to go to work. I know I'm not. <laughs> I, I have to look at my schedule. I think I am, actually. So there you go. I, I, I don't want to go either, but uh, but I, I have to. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Nobody nobody wants to work in the tomorrow. I'm not thinking about work one bit. All I'm thinking about is this exciting game we've got coming up in a few hours. And I can't wait to talk about it, Tim. I've got a lot of things on my mind. Well, go with it. What are some of the things that you were thinking about this? And then I got a, I got a way I'm going, but let me know what you're thinking. Where, what are you thinking about today? Well, I think I, it's, it's just I don't think – I honestly can't – I can honestly say I think we've got the best matchup. I really think right now, Sonny, these are the two best teams in the NFL – you couldn't ask for a better Super Bowl. And don't give me Green Bay was the better team. That you know, it, it was it was bound for that thing to happen, where the the Packers imploded, um, just because of what you've always been talking about. Saying I'm going to give you all the credit on this one. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he is the quarterback of the team. Yes, he is the leader of the team. Yes, but not even Aaron Rodgers can do it by himself. Yeah, I've been and talking about this for three years, haven't I, Cuervo? You have. You have. And, 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 and that, that NFC Championship game two weeks ago proved it. You've, and this is no disrespect to, to uh, uh, Jordy Nelson. I mean, the guy was playing with broken ribs, for God's sakes. You know? Uh, but guys, guys like Randall Cobb wasn't doing a whole lot. They need to get themselves a real tight end. Nice catch by Jared Cook against Dallas. That oh, yeah, was the nice. one highlight. It was that, that was the one highlight in his career. Uh, go get you a real tight end, Green Bay. And and last but not least, I think we all we all saw it. The defense is just not that good. They're just not that good. So it was bound to happen. Where Green Bay was was it was not going to be a good matchup. I, I think if Green Bay would have won that game, Sonny, um, you know, New England would be easily winning this game today. But I think the fact that Atlanta won, you have the two best teams in the NFL playing for this Lombardi Trophy today, and it's going to be a great game. Uh, really, in reality, it's just 
it's going to be one of those, hey, you know, it's a staring contest. Whoever blinks first loses. Like, that's this, that's the feeling I get for this game, for this Super Bowl. And that's how every Super Bowl should be. Hey, now, that being said, of course, that's the name of the show in reality. But a Super Bowl Sunday talk here today. Let's do this. Haven't heard from the man in a while. It's the good old boy himself from Georgia slash Alabama. Flash all that area down there. It's Brian Tarvin from Williams Sports Talk. Good morning. Well, afternoon, Brian. Brian, are you on mute? Yo, 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 Brian. I think I might have lost Brian already. Unless this is not Brian. It's coming from the 205 area code. Up, oh, they they dropped off. Uh, so don't know if he's going to come back. Well, hopefully we'll get Brian Tarvin back on. But you're right, Cuervo. Um, this is one of those games where it, I think the way that you put it was really good. I personally see where someone would think the way that you're thinking on the, today's game. You blink. There's going to be a, one spectacular play that might define this game. And that's one thing I don't like about Super Bowls because we can go back in history and talk about that itself. And Brian just messaged me, bad connection, he's calling back in five. But that's what, you know, we can go back to the, um, uh, we can go back to the Eli Manning um, the helmet catch. It's one play that defines a game, and that's what I hate about that because I think you you could be right in the final Stretches of how this ends up. Uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, how often do uh, freaky plays like that happen? I guess when you're the New York Giants, it happens every time you're in the Super Bowl because that happened, and then, what, what was it, four years later when they played again, the Patriots and the Giants, you had Mario Manningham who, uh, you know, displayed some ballerina-type skills and, and caught a ball, uh, you know, right on the sideline with it on his tippy-toes. And that was one of the – I thought that catch was probably even better than the one that David Tyree did uh, with, the, with the ball sticking to his helmet. So, I mean, the concentration that you have to have to be able to make sure that your, your toes are inbounds, you have possession of the ball, because we all know, Sonny, that – I mean, it depends on what side of the bed that these reps wake up on to determine yeah. whether it's a catch or not. So, and the fact that he had – he had all of those things down. Uh, I thought that catch was more impressive. So, you know, it, it, it always does come down to crazy plays like that. Um, you know, or even last year, I mean, you, you look at, you look at, um, you know, if, if Von Miller doesn't strip that ball from Cam Newton when the, when the game is 16 to 10 with four minutes to go in the game, then um, who knows if Cam Newton drives them down the field, scores a touchdown, and the Panthers wind up winning by a point. I mean, who's to, who's to say that doesn't happen? But but Von Miller, you know, and showed why he was the best defensive player, not just in that game, but in the game itself, uh, in the game of football, um, you know, makes makes the play that nobody expected. So th- this is going to be one of those, you know, it, it is, you know, it's the Super Bowl, Sonny, but, you know, that, that's stuff that we have to watch out for, the, the unexpected, the, the stuff that nobody – you can't analyze it. You can't talk about it on pregame shows. It's just when it happens, you recognize it, and you're like, wow, that's going to go down as one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history, and we're going to see it for years and years and years. 
I think that's what it is. You're going to see it more so than one of the better plays in history, but the fact that we're going to see it for years and years and years, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and th- those are the that's now become almost the norm in a lot of these games, which I don't want to see. I want to see, you know, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter football. But, of course, that makes it the exciting thing. And that's what the game is, and that's where it's at. And and that's what I want to go back, you know, it, it, where did the Super Bowl, when, when do you think the Super Bowl actually became the crazy nostalgic thing that it is, okay, from year in, year out as of late? Because I think I pinpointed exactly when this happened. But where do you think the um, – I don't want to say the popularity of the NFL, but I think that is part of it. Uh, but the demand to see the game, the demand of what this is all about as far as Super Bowl and everybody watching it, not just the diehards like you and I will sit on Sunday and sit literally for seven hours on Sunday watching Red Zone, okay, and, and watch NFL football. You know, but everybody involved, where do you think it happened? Was it the catches? What, what was it that really do you think has turned everybody into the game into the Super Bowl to make it what it is here today? Well, I think, you know, it all started when it became more than just about the game itself. Now, I, I mean, I'm, I'm too young to know Sonny, the, the, the exact answer to this, but I don't know if, you know, starting in Super Bowl one, they were like, okay, um, during, during the Super Bowl, we're going to, we're going to uh, advertise all the newest commercials or we're going to have a halftime show where it's going to be, you know, a a, a famous singer, you know, whether it was, well, back then, I mean, the Rolling Stones or whatever the case may be, like whenever they started to make it more than just about the football game itself. I mean, that obviously to me is when you started to gain popularity from not just the football crowd, but you, you know, you're talking about the entertainment business, you're talking about, uh, you know, the music industry, like all these different uh, uh, pieces started coming into play and people started realizing, man, if we can, if we can advertise commercials, if we can get, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lady Gaga or whoever to, to perform at halftime, uh, you know, we're talking, we're talking big money for everyone. So, you know, I mean, that that's, that to me is when I think everything started turning around is, is not just a game, but really it's, it's a, uh, like you said, it's like a national holiday, worldwide holiday, because when you're talking about hundreds of different countries, uh, you know, watching this game and having it broadcasted in, in their language, in their country. Yep. And you think about, I think I pinpointed it. Okay, and you talked about the commercials and what was important about that, but a lot of it, I think, sponsorships and getting into that and all that other stuff, I think it goes back to when Michael Jackson, in reality, brought commercials and entertainment as the big story of the game outside of the game. And Michael Jackson standing on the stage when he hit the stage Uh, in the Super Bowl, and he stood there for a couple of minutes, literally not moving, and everybody losing their mind, letting everybody know that, you know, hey, I'm Michael Jackson, I am the king of pop, and all this other stuff. And I think that's when it really happened. Now, 
It started a little bit before that as they brought new kids in the block back in 1990. I've actually went back and I looked at this. New, new kids on the block hit the stage for this football uh, game in 1991. They followed it up with Gloria Stefan and um, the Winter Olympics stuff and all that stuff. But really, 1993, and then that was around the time where Michael burned his head, you know, burned his head and everything else. It turned into a nationwide phenomena with Michael Jackson standing on stage for about two minutes of the 12 minutes that they were going to get to do this halftime show. And then everything turned around. Then it started going and bringing in all the acts and everything else, and then the commercials coming right in. So you're right. Outside of all this, when you put it together, this is what made it the national phenomena that it is. And they had every year after that had had to try to outdo Michael Jackson standing on the stage, and it took them a long time before they can actually do it, and everybody was waited with bated breath to find out what was going to be the next best halftime show after Michael Jackson was standing on that stage. Right, and, and, they even, and I even think it goes as far as even with the, the national anthem. I mean, um, you know, they point, always try to, you know, and, and it should be. I mean, you're talking about the national anthem, what, what we stand for in this country, and what represents the United States, but, um, but you know, they, they, it's always a big name singing the national anthem too. So um, I think they try to outdo themselves every year in that aspect as well, and and, and rightfully so. I think they set that started when, um, and I forgot what Whitney. year it was, but Ray Charles doing it. I think that was one of the biggest um, remembering of that whole thing. I think. Um, as far as the uh, national anthem, I, I remember it being the biggest story. Yeah, I would say Whitney Houston was a pretty memorable one as well. When she sang it, I think I want to say it was 92, 92 when she sang the national anthem before um, before she started having her issues. Um, but yeah, that was that was one that people that was ninety one in Tampa. I actually pulled yeah. this up, and and we, we go back. I think you, I think that's a, a very good time when you look at. You're right because they had an orchestra and everything at that. I'm looking at the pictures. There's an orchestra behind them. But yeah, you go back and you think about so, some of the guy people that did it before that. I think you might be right because I think, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Ray Charles came after that in reality. So I, I think yeah. you're right there. And I'm not- Another big thing too, Sonny, is, and I remember it because I was just watching uh, uh, some sort of show or documentary on it. When Whitney, when Whitney Houston sang it, it was it was during the time of the uh, Desert Storm as well, and I think that was the first year. If I'm and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Sonny, I think that was the first year where they where they um, you know did the display of the uh, jets flying over the stadium. I yeah, think that was the first time they did that. So. Um, you know, that that's another reason why that one is so memorable. And I think from there, it was kind of like, wow, you know, it, it, it was such a, a, a memorable moment that we have to make sure that we continue to do this every year. 
Yeah, and by the way, um, Ray Charles did America the Beautiful. He didn't do the national anthem, but that okay. year Ray Charles outshined the person doing the national anthem in 2001 that was, uh, you know, the Backstreet Boys. So, yeah, it, it's really interesting how all this has come together and where the Super Bowl is today compared to back in 1967 when the first Super Bowl actually hit the stage in, and was was uh, putting it together in Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Um, so back in those days, they had marching bands. I'm looking at this list. It's really amazing, and, to, and you'll see where it met, hits it um, as far as the um, the halftime show is concerned. You go back and before before 1991 when Michael Jackson did it, they they did have the new kids on the block do it before him, uh, but. But you go back before that, they were themed, uh, beat, uh, beat of the Future, World of Children's Dreams, uh, Salute to the Sixties of Motown, uh, Mardi Gras Festivals. Nobody big named, really. Uh, they had band, uh, uh, college bands out there um, doing their thing and things of that sort. Uh, University Marching Band um, and Woody Herman back in 1973. A salute to Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald. They weren't there doing it, but it was a salute to them. So when they start bringing the guy people there and actually performing it right there, I think that's where the turn. And then, of course, the commercials came along, you know, not very much longer after that. But I think you're right. The national anthem is a great big story in reality as well. So I, it, good stuff here. Yeah, so far, so far, um, you know, a lot of good points about, you know, talking about things other than the games and why it's so big. I mean, there's so much to it. Sonny. And I mean, with the way, with the way the social media is now and the oh, yeah. way that, um, you know, that people advertise and whatnot, I mean, it, it's only going to get bigger and bigger every single year. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. Now, since we're kind of like on this and turning it, you know, I I don't want your opinion of which one you think is best because everybody has an opinion about which one is best as far as the halftime show. Which one was your favorite? I, I put it that way because everybody's not going to be wrong about their favorite because that's their own personal opinion. What was your favorite halftime performance uh, that you have seen? Uh, well, that's a tough one, Sonny. I would have to say, hmm, a couple of years ago, I thought, I thought Katy Perry did a pretty good job a couple of years ago. Um, you know, and plus the, the, the other members that, that were there as well. I think Lenny Kravitz was there that year. So I thought they did a pretty good job kind of molding those singers together and kind of finding a way to, to take their music and kind of, you know, blend it all into a, a good, you know, a performance like that. So 2015. a couple years ago. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think I, I, and I actually have kept an ongoing of my favorites, obviously since 91 and even Michael Jackson's performance is not my favorite. I, I mean, frankly, if you look at that one compared to what they've been doing lately, it looks so out of date. It's unbelievable, but it still wasn't my favorite. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you my favorite one 
And I, gosh, I might have to turn in my man card on this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Madonna's uh, halftime show was incredible. Not only was the music good, which, of course, Madonna's, you know, obviously worldwide known in what she does. Um, but the show itself, how they brought it out and how they did it and uh, presented the halftime show as an entertainment, obviously, uh situation more so than just people on stage singing so i really enjoyed that one and as much as the heat that janet jackson got i really enjoyed that one take away that whole thing i mean the literally half a second that you might have had an opportunity to see her boob um i really enjoyed that one as well um and so and i even go back to the when uh gloria stefan and when i really caught on to Big Bad Booty uh, Voodoo Daddy, uh, that old swing, that swing band and stuff that I really like. And I'm actually going to go see them in April in Phoenix uh, when I go see my dad. Um, and so, and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I liked Prince's one, but I don't, I don't know if I can name it as a favorite, but I did enjoy that one as well. So those are some of the ones that I look at and go back and say, you know, those are some of my favorite ones. Yeah, and and for the most part, I mean, no offense to the older generation, Sonny, uh, (laughs) but as long as it's, it's, you know, a newer uh, uh, musician, I think that's what makes it that much better, too. I mean, you try to... Nowadays. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, you try to throw in the older people. I, You know, now I think about it, I think the... um, If you remember, uh, I think it was the first time that the Giants and Patriots played, uh, Tom Petty. Uh, uh, performed at half. 2008. That was, yeah, that was a good show as well. I thought they put on a pretty good show, and and even for for uh, you know a, a classic band, you know one of the more historic ones that a lot of the younger guys don't know about. Um, you know, I thought I thought they still did a good job. It wasn't too, uh, you know, boring. I guess you could say, but um, sometimes it, it, it's happened. So, right. As long as Rolling they, Stones as long back as in 2006, what you were talking about, too. Yeah, that one was pretty bad. That one was pretty bad. <laughs> it was but, horrible. You know, I mean, <laughs> but it know, was Mick. Yeah, yeah, it was Mick. You're right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, I, I just think they could have probably came up with a better idea for a uh, I, I, performance. I, I, I think you're right. There's a lot of things as far as uh, that. But, you know, it is the Super Bowl. It is what the Super Bowl is all about. Let's just be honest. It's it's not just about the game anymore. Um, And like I said, I think that turned in 91. And then other focuses that were um, that got the focus. I mean, really, before 91, it was really about the game because they were having marching bands at halftime. So even though they were good marching bands, uh, it, it really didn't that's not what brought a lot of people to watch the games it was when they started bringing in the big names I, it, it started even a couple of years they brought on chubby checker a couple of years before they brought on news kids on the block so they slowly introduced the famous people and now it's just the way that the halftime super bowl is and they got a they every year they have got to figure out how they're going to one up the one from last year um, and make it better. And um, so far, the the last one that I looked at, and uh, as far as the actual shows was himself, nothing has impressed me enough since Madonna doing it. I, Beyonce was after that. It, yeah, 
you know, Beyonce is Beyonce. I'm not a Bruno Mars fan per se. I know one or two of his songs, but this obviously goes back to where you're talking about how they're moving it now into more people. Who's doing it today? Lady Gaga. I've got to be honest with you. I cannot name one song that she does. Now, I might have heard of, but I right now could not name one song that she does um, off the top of my head. I, I just couldn't do it. <laughs> well, she's got a lot of popular songs, Sonny. I mean, there's what's the one uh, where it's like gambling? Does she has one that's like a gamble? Um, oh, oh, it's poker face. Yeah, it's that's poker it. Face. I, I, I know. I, I see. I didn't know the song, but I know of the song. Um, and the other song I'm thinking of, actually, I think is done by somebody else. So, um, but I, that's the only one that I can think of. So I'm not gonna. I'm gonna make spaghetti in halftime and uh, for for my dinner. Um, so it'll be perfect by the time they get done with halftime, I'll be sitting right down to start the second half with my spaghetti. <laughs> Sounds like a plan, Sonny. So that, that's the meal you got today. Some, some, uh, homemade spaghetti. Yes. I'm making spaghetti and meatballs, but I've already had the Marie calendar pot pie Sunday tradition. I've already done ah. that. I had that. Yes. Yes. I did that at 11 o'clock. So, um, I, I did get the Sunday morning tradition. That is Marie calendars right here. I mean, geez, she should be a sponsor. I mean, I talk about it all the time. They best pot pies ever. Um, so, <laughs> but that being what it is, but lots of other things that we're going to talk about here today on the Couch Potato Sports Show as well. You know, it is Super Bowl Sunday. It is the biggest game of the year. It is what really the whole season boils down to as we are going to crown the champion of this year. Um, so that being said, uh, we're still on Sunday. We still got my local people. So let's do that. We're going to go ahead and do our, you know, our responsibility for my sponsors of the show. Uh, so we're going to take our first break here. And then when we get back a quarter, I want to get into the hall of fame and uh, the awards and everything that were going on uh, yesterday that were announced. So I want to jump into that when we come back, you, you ready for that part? I think you are. I, I'm most definitely ready. Sonny, so Very yeah, good. Please let's, let's talk about that. You betcha. We'll do that in four minutes and 40 seconds. We'll be right back. At Wesson General Contracting Incorporated, we're your one-stop shop for all your general contracting needs. We are locally owned and with over 20 years of experience, so roofing, gutters, sidings, fence staining, painting, foundation problems, or roof damage are no problems at all. Give us a call at 214-200-5588. That's 214-200-5588. Wesson General Contractors. Proud sponsor of the Rowlett Eagles radio broadcast. It always happens. 6 p.m. on a Saturday night and your heater or air conditioner goes out. What are you going to do? All the heating and air conditioning people are closed. How about 24-hour service available at 5-star HVAC contractors? You can be sure to be serviced amazingly fast. That's 5-star HVAC contractors serving Rowlett 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 214-457-8441. Call the experts at 5-star HVAC contractors. Oh, yeah. 
Let Spirit Outfitters be your home for any of your specialty needs. Spirit Outfitters can do it all. Whether it's screen printing, custom apparel, spirit gifts, or embroidery, Spirit Outfitters has you covered. Need personalized apparel? We can do that. Want something just for you? We can do that also. Spirit Outfitters will let your imaginations run wild. Give them a call at 972-412-3440 or visit their showroom at 3538 Lakeview Parkway, Suite 101 in Rowlett. Or check them out on the web as well at thespiritoutfitters.com. We can never make talking about insurance as exciting as the Kentucky Derby. However, we can make it interesting to see how much we can help you save money on your car insurance. Check out Coslow Insurance at Rowlett Road and Main Street in Rowlett, or check them out on the web at coslowinsurance.com, where we always have the coffee pot on. Yeah, it is it's fresh. This is Sonny Clark, radio voice at your rally at Eagles, letting you know about Fit Body Boot Camp. What makes Fit Body Boot Camp a unique fitness program is the value of consistent coaching with a professional fitness trainer in a group environment that generates exceptionally high levels of fitness results. At Rowlett Fit Body Boot Camp, we offer complete fitness programs unlike any other that you've tried before. Our program it consists of unlimited group training sessions, fully customized nutrition planning, and a result tracking system designated to ensure our members achieve their fitness goals. Contact Tom or Mark at Fit Body Boot Camp located at 2502 Lawling Lane in Rowlett, Texas, or give them a call at 214-888-2848, or visit them on the web at www.rowlettfbbc.com. All right, we are back here on the Couch Potato Sports Show. It's Sunday morning. It's that being said, it's Super Bowl weekend. As we all get ready for the big game, I even told my boss don't even think about That's just not happening because obviously the show we're doing right now and uh, prepping for today's show a little bit that I did. Don't do a lot, but I prepped a little bit. Um, and then obviously reading up on some of the games and getting other people's opinion because I've been so busy um, as I take on over the, uh, the director of operations uh, part of champions indoor football so there's a lot of work outside of that that I don't get an opportunity to hear a lot of other stuff because that takes up a lot of my time but I caught up a little bit on some of the stuff that was being said there was obviously the awards that were given out yesterday Cuervo as far as the introduction to the Hall of Fame and also uh, the awards for the year and I, I was looking at some of these awards and who got them and I'm still shaking my head on a couple of them because I think I think there's a couple that were missed. Not too bad. I think overall, I think they did well 80% of the times as far as the awards are concerned. Now, the Hall of Fame is a much, much different animal. Um, and we're going to talk, but let's talk about the awards before we get to the, hall, the, the actual Hall of Fame. 
uh, because the awards were very interesting. When you looked at the awards that were, were given out uh, this year, what do you think, in reality, when you see all the awards that were handed out, which ones do you think that were missed on just for your opinion? So if you were handing them out, which one would you change? I, I think I would change, um, <clears throat> honestly, and, and, and this may sound weird to you, Sonny, but um, I, don't, I don't disagree with the other award that Matt Ryan won, but I think for Offensive Player of the Year, I think you could have gave that one to Ezekiel Elliott. You know, and, and again, I mean, to lead the league in rushing as a rookie, that's not easy to do, Sonny. And, and I don't even want to hear about – I don't want to hear about the, well, look at how good his offensive line is. Okay, I get it. I get it. So if People said that about Emmitt Smith, and he's a Hall of Famer. Exactly. You know, but, but I, I think what it does is it really takes away from the season he had as a rookie to lead the league in rushing. It's impressive, man. Like, sorry, how many rookies, if you go back and you look in history, how many times have we seen that happen? I think Adrian Peterson might have done it. I think he did do it. After that, if you go back and you look beyond that, I, I, I mean, you would have to go back to the 80s when, when Eric Dickerson was still wearing jerry curls. I mean, that, that's yep. the last time... We that that's three times in what over you know thirty five years span, like to me I don't know I, I no, again nothing against Matt Ryan and, and what he did this year, uh, obviously he won another award too that we'll get into but but I think they could have gave the offensive player of the year to Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, it was uh, Adrian Peterson and his deal. Um, I'm looking at it right now. It, it shows here. Uh, Back in 2008, he was the Offensive Rookie of the Year uh, in 2008, um, and uh, he also won the Pro Bowl uh, MVP with 16 carries and 129 yards and two touchdowns. That's back when the Pro Bowl was really real. Um, <laughs> um, because um, because of egos of players and uh, and valid reasons why they didn't want to play because of injuries and things of that sort, but um, but yeah, uh, the Pro Bowl used to be actually kind of important. I'm glad you brought that up because um, Adrian Peterson and the Pro Bowl, it, it's a the Pro Bowl is almost non-existent. I, I don't Cuervo. I got to tell you, I didn't watch it. Did you watch the Pro Bowl this year? I watched, I did. I watched like maybe 10, 15 minutes of it. Um, you know, it, it's weird because normally um, it's it's like, you know, grab-ass football. But to this year, I mean, it looked like they were actually trying to play and they were actually trying to win, which is fine. At the same time, though, um, you know, you had half of these half of these guys that got voted in didn't even play. So, yes, it was like. I don't know. It just kind of, it just kind of felt like it was a, you know, a day at the beach or something, and uh, you know, just kind of tossing the football around. That's that's what it kind of felt like. But you know, I mean, um, but I did watch a little bit of it. 
Yeah, I can't say that. I, and I'm going to tell you right now, I still have not even see, seen the quote-unquote highlights of it. I, I just am not even going to waste my time with it. But, uh, you, didn't, uh, you, didn't, you didn't miss much. You didn't miss I, much. I, I, that's what I heard. I mean, and, and that's what I'm and I, That's I think that's my point. I heard that I didn't miss much. And even the shows, and, and this came to my reality last year um, when I did the ESPN deal where they had the college uh, focus and everything. They were uh, doing the, uh, the skills challenge. I, I remember back in the day how important that was, the skills challenge, you know, and, and they put that on TV, and guys were trying. Guys were busting their ass to try to do it. And when I seen, when I was there, I saw up close and personal the, the, the simple fact that some I'll say 80% of the people that participated in that didn't give it any seriousness at all. Didn't try, didn't care. Um, And obviously reasons now are different from back in the day when they were doing it. Uh, The money wasn't there. Now the money has got such an influence that those kind of things, we're not seeing the regular thing that we used to see, I guess I'm as talking as an old 50 year old man that we used to see back in the eighties and nineties, um, in the early 2000s, I, we've seen guys really busted in those uh, special programs. It, right, and you know, I mean, that it's it, it's uh it's it's changed a lot, Sonny. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, the I don't know. It, it kind of starts. It's kind of starting to get to feel like um, almost like the NBA All Star Game, where you know you vote guys in, but then they just they decline the uh, uh, invitation. It's like, okay, um, yeah. Why it used to be a real honor? Vote? Yeah, why even vote now? Now, now the guys are worried about getting injured and and all these other things, and they you know they'd rather spend the time doing something else. Okay, all right, whatever. Um, I yeah, the uh, I, I t- the the prestige of what it used to be is not there anymore because of what's happening. So. Yeah, it, it is. But back to the awards, I, I'm looking at uh, the awards, and I'm no Eli Manning fan, but I'm I'm okay with him winning the Walter Payton uh, Man of the Year. I'm all right with that. I'm going to tell you two that really bothered me, and and maybe it's because I I looked at it and I seen what in, and I see that they were trying to spread, and that was what made me mad. They were trying to spread the awards around. Uh, and so I, I'm going to be honest with you, Jason Garrett, getting the coach of the year. I'm, I got to tell you, Cuervo, I'm shaking my head on this one big time. And, and, and it's, and it's not because of basically what they did in the playoffs. I mean, I, I put a lot of the blame of the Cowboys not getting that victory on Jason Garrett. I really do. Um, because they fought, but they also fought back into that game. So a lot of that was effort out on the field more so than play calling. I thought the play calling against the Green Bay Packers was god awful. That having been mm-hmm. said, I think they missed on that. Andy Reid got got hosed, and I don't even know who was up for the award, but I know what I watched this year, and I and and Cuervo talk about eating crow. I don't know if you remember no more than four years ago, I thought Andy Reid was an overrated, uh, you know, overrated dude. And 
not not a good very good coach. Boy, was I wrong! And I think this year especially proved how good Andy Reid is because not has he he's done it for three years in a row there in Kansas City and got them to where they are. And they were not very far off to be playing New England uh, in the AFC Championship game. They, yeah, they they were a couple plays away, Sonny. I mean, if if Alex Smith had a an, a decent arm, um, I think they well, would have definitely Well, someone could catch the ball. Yeah, that that too, that too. But um, you know, uh, I I still think you know Alex Smith was the reason they lost that game. The guy the guy plays scared, and you know you can't have a quarterback with no confidence. It's not going to work. So, um, but you know, I mean. I think you can make an argument for, for Andy Reid most definitely. Um, obviously, uh, I mean, I, I think Bill Belichick ha- has to be in the conversation every year. I mean, Absolutely. I, I, get, it, it, I get it. Like, you know, the, the Patriots were used to seeing them win, you know, 12 games a season. But that's the thing. To continue to do that every single year, it it – that to me is the impressive thing about it. You do it once or twice, hey, awesome job. But you continue to do that. It's like, how do you continue to be so successful in a league where they are fighting so hard to have parity in the league? And the Patriots are like, no, we're, we're the kings of this league. And they continue to win 12 games, to get the bye week. The Super Bowl goes to New England in the AFC. That I mean, the, the commitment to the excellence of this franchise, obviously, you know, Tom Brady does what he does, but it goes through Bill Belichick, I believe. And so, you know, the, the fact that maybe, okay, maybe you don't give it to him every year, but I think he should at least be second or third in voting every year because of the fact that, again, it, it's the consistency – in, in the high standard that they set. And not only because anybody can set a standard, Sonny, but if you can actually meet that standard and sometimes even exceed that standard, which the Patriots do, to me, I mean, that that's, that's consideration for, for something every year, in my opinion. But, you know, I mean, I get what the league is doing. First of all, this is Roger Goodell saying we're not going to give you any recognition, uh, you know, a, a, as the New England Patriots. Okay, fine. You want to take your little personal stab, Goodell? Fine, whatever. Yep. But um, you know, I mean, you can't you can't deny the fact that you know the the, the the New England Patriots are what the Dallas Cowboys were in the '90s, what the San Francisco 49ers were in the '80s, what the Steelers were in the '70s, where the Packers were in the '60s. Where the uh, Patriots yeah. were in the 2000 uh, uh, era. Okay. Yeah, and they they're even topping what they did in 2000 to 2010 here, going from 2011 to 2007. Yeah, no, you're right. And again, that's what I'm saying. They set the bar, but then they raise it, and then they raise it some more. And then they now, today, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are playing in their seventh Super Bowl together. That's more than, you know, than uh, 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 Favre and Holmgren. That's more than, you know, uh, uh, Manning, Peyton Manning and whoever. All these guys combined. Yep. Combined. More than 
Tomlin, Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, you know, I mean, they have done more than than some of the greats in the history combined. Consistently. Super Bowl, Sonny. Yeah, I mean, I, you can hate them all you want, and yeah, it gets kind of old to see them in the Super Bowl every other year. But my God, I mean, you cannot deny the history. You can't deny it. You cannot. And you kind of hate them too, don't you? I mean, just some of the shows I've gone back and I've listened. You kind of hate the stories. I probably not hate the team, but hate the same old stories about the the, the Patriots being just cheaters and stuff like that. That part gets on your nerves. Uh, it, so you got a little hate for them as well. I, I do, um, and I wouldn't even say it's jealousy. It's just kind of like. I don't know. I just kind of feel like we don't have anything new to talk about with the Patriots. I want, I want, give me something new. I'm, you know, it's always Belichick Brady, Belichick Brady. Give me something new to talk about. You know, like when Randy Moss showed up, that was new. And the mm-hmm. Patriots yep. became interesting again. They became interesting again. Then they go 16-0. and Tom Brady sets the touchdown record. Randy Moss sets the receiving record. Like, that was like the, the, the fresh... <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, uh, going for perfection. Like, yeah, and 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 be, but it was something new to talk about with the Patriots. I mean, it wasn't just about well, Belichick's great, Brady's great. Okay, let's move on. Like it, it was, it was something new. It was refreshing to talk about something different with the New England Patriots. And now it kind of seems like it's the same thing over again. You know, you're talking about these two guys. You know. What about what about guys like Malcolm Butler? Who, if it wasn't for him, uh, you know, Brady would would be three and three in Super Bowls instead of four and two, and uh, Russell Wilson would have won back to back Super Bowls. Pete Carroll, the, the Seattle Seahawks, would have been back to back champions. Something that hasn't been done since ninety seven, ninety eight with John Elway, or ninety eight, ninety nine, whatever. Um, you know, that's something we haven't seen in almost twenty years. Uh, but you know, it, it's kind of like these these guys are forgotten about, and and the fact that it kind of seems like they're okay with it because they continue to win, um, speaks a lot about about these these players. You know, they they, they get it. It's not about them. But I don't know, Sonny. I, I don't hate the Patriots. It's just it's just the same old. It's like a broken record. You know, uh, I I like to I, find let's find something new to talk about with the Patriots. But, but then isn't there something to be again. said about continually doing the same thing over and over and getting the same results? I mean, because we talk about what insanity is, right? We talk about insanity yeah. as doing the same thing over right. and over and expecting a different outcome. I mean, if you want to talk, I mean, it might be the definition of sanity are the New England Patriots. Well, what they've been able to do <laughs> is insane. First of all, it's, uh, I guess that's what you were trying to go with that. What they've done is insane. I mean, seven yes. Super Bowls. Um, you know, they've, they've won standards. at least I mean, 14 straight years, Sonny, they've won at least 10 games. 14 <laughs> straight years. Crazy. At least 10 wins. You tell me, when has that ever been done before? Um I- I can't think of it. I I cannot think of it. The only thing only thing I can think of if it happened, and I don't know, and this would be a wild guess, would be Montana. I don't know if he he mm-hmm. accomplished that. 
Um, but that's the only one that I can think of. Um, Peyton Manning wasn't even that good. I mean, so yeah, yeah, look at, I don't think I could be wrong about that. This is just off the top of my head, but I think it was, it was, if it was going to be anybody, it'd be Joe Montana. It might even be Steve Young, both of them obviously coming out of San Francisco. Uh, maybe Peyton, if it happened, and that's because um, we don't have the research papers that ESPN get that are bigger than uh, most encyclopedias, we're just going off the top of our head, but those would be my guesses if they did it. Yeah, we don't have a stats guy. Like, hey, stats guy, look this up. Yeah. Like, we don't, we yeah, don't, hey, can we don't you have look those that up? <laughs> Mike Greenberg, by the way, Mike Greenberg made me so angry that he got his re- quote unquote research packet. Okay, before he went on the show on Monday morning. He did this about two months ago. I'm sitting here going, wait a second. What do you mean research back? You don't know this off the top of your head or have an inkling about something? You need to be fed the information? That that uh, that almost put me – well, I wasn't very much on Mike and Mike in the first place. But, man, it just takes away from his real – I don't know. I, I'm not going to sit here and say Mike Greenberg does not have real knowledge of sports because that would be an asinine statement. But as much as anybody thinks that he has, a lot of it comes from someone handing it to him on a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was worried <laughs> this morning. Like, I'm not going to be ready for the show. I haven't looked up enough information yet. Like, exactly. uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I don't have, like, you know – and guy, we, we need an intern. We need a stats intern guy. I mean, that's what we need. <laughs> I, I, I'll look into it, Sonny. I'm, I'm trying to uh, find somebody for it. God, <laughs> unbelievable. But, uh, but, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but back to the point about the 10, 10, you know, God, when was the last time that was done? Might not have ever been done. So, you know, we're playing. Well, we're, we're, or do you know the answer? Were you able to look it up fast enough? Well, well, no, you, you mentioned Peyton Manning, and I remember something about winning streaks and, like, number of wins in consecutive. I want to say the number is eight for Peyton Manning, eight straight seasons of 12 wins or more. I can look that up real quick, but I'm almost positive that that is a thing with, the, with, with, with Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts. Um, so if you give me about two minutes, Sonny, I can look that up. Oh yeah, and and what what I'll do is in, in going with Steve. We we can uh, I'll check Steve Young and Joe Montana because I think those guys were close. I mean, I, and all you got to do is obviously go to the to their pro stats and, and look at right on up. But and that's what we'll do. But the fact of what you were talking about, Cuervo, the consistency of what those guys are, the consistency of what that football team brings year in and year out, and not only that, Cuervo. Take away the year that Brady got hurt and Matt Castle led him to 11-5 and five season, and they didn't make the playoffs at 11-5. and five. Um, And I don't have to look that stat up. That one's engraved in my mind because that was an incredible year for that football team. And there they are, and, you know, continually doing it year in, year out. And, we, and I, I go back to the definition of insanity. Well, they've been doing the same thing over and over and over and just having success. Right. I, so, Sonny, you can fire me as your co-host if you want. I apologize. <laughs> it's, it's, only, it's only seven straight years of 12 wins from 2009 to 2009. Only seven straight years. I know. I'm, I'm so off my game. Man. What was my, what was my brain thinking? I guess I need a research packet, right? 
<laughs> yeah, Oops. there you go. <laughs> I thought it was eight, but it's only seven, Sonny. So from 2003 to 2009, the Indianapolis Colts won at least 12 games. Um, so there you go. I think that's a pretty impressive number, too. I, oh, oh, it is. It, it, it's incredible. I mean, because you look at you look at a guy like a Peyton Manning, and and obviously coming out of Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, right? He's one of your Tennessee Vol guys. Absolutely, yes, yeah. sir. Uh, and and, and he, this this is a guy that that has been obviously if if by the way if Peyton Manning's not a first round Hall of Famer and Brett Favre is. Okay, that would be a mistake. But looking at the consistency of that program as well, Cuervo, back in the day when 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 um, they they had, and we we talked about the head coaching situation. Peyton Manning had quite possibly the most dullest, um, uncreative head coach, and they couldn't get to the Super Bowl when they did. They didn't win, but they only got one. They should have had three. Um, you know, I, I look at that whole situation on where he actually could be amongst the greats. Um, he he should have had three Super Bowl rings with the pay, uh, with the Colts. Never mind the one that he got with the Colts and the one that he got with the uh, the Denver Broncos. I mean, we could be talking about Peyton Manning, a four time Super Bowl winner. Um, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, um, you know, you look at the two that they lost. I mean. The, the, the one against the Saints, I mean, the Saints were a team that year, Sonny, that they they capitalized on every turnover. I mean, I, I, I couldn't tell you how many pick sixes New Orleans had that year. And then, obviously, the guts that Sean Payton had to open the second half with that onside kick, I mean, that I think that really messed up the, the, the Colts' mindset, their, their um, you know, their – their mental state and it was kind of like they were they were on they were on their toes from that point on the whole second half the whole Colts team was on their toes because at that point they didn't know what to expect so uh, I think that really messed up their psych their psyche or psychic and then that, that one against Seattle I mean it's it didn't even look like the same Broncos team that we had saw two weeks before that I mean they just looked a lot they looked slower they looked unprepared um, you know, I, I mean, when you start the game off with a safety off a bad snap, yes, I mean that 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 kind of that kind of sets the tone. Like th- this could wind up being a bad night, and 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 I still go back to that crossing route that Demarius Thomas ran when he caught the ball and Cam Chancellor popped him. At that point, I knew Sonny, and 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 this was still ten minutes to go in the first quarter. I was like, at that point, I knew I was like, this is not going to be good for the Broncos tonight. And it just went downhill from there. So, um, well, I got the stat you know. on Steve Young. I got the stat on Steve. It was eight seasons in a row of ten or more with Steve Young. So, mm-hmm. um, now with Joe Montana, I've I've got that listed up here uh, in a row that we're talking. Let's see. There's Montana. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Whoop! No, hold on. I went one. I went too far. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He went eight in a row. So, but the year before that, they went three and six. I and and why? Uh, why they went? Is that the year of the strike? I wonder if we should, was that eighty two with the year of the strike? Was that what was going on? And only nine games were played. 
Yes, it has Something, to be. It was like 82 or 83. Yeah, it I has to be 82 because they went three and six. So so let's not count 90, uh, 82. So then Montana won two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine in a row, nine in a row for him as, as a starter. Um, so, you know, so eight for Steve Young, nine for Joe Montana. And by the way, just to let you know, that was all in a row. Okay. So if you take out 1982, the, 49ers with Joe Montana and Steve Young, by the way, have won 10 games from 1981 or more all the way to 1998. Okay. That is so, <laughs> that is a franchise, that, that's a storied franchise of success of just doing it over and over and over and over again. I mean, th- that's an incredible, mm-hmm. I mean, I look at, you take that year of that strikeout, 81 tonight, that is 16 years of consistently, 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 and not only that, making playoffs after playoffs, they made the playoffs in the 16 years, Cuervo. They made, and, and again, take out that year, that of the thing right. they only didn't make the play they only didn't make the playoffs at once and at 10 at 6 in 1991 and then um so you, you look at those numbers that, that's incredible that and that's what Bill Belichick is building over there uh, over in New England uh, with what they're doing but in this case it's just one coach one quarterback yeah and, and it doesn't seem like they're going to slow down anytime soon either that God, i mean brady enough. i heard brady wants to play two more years and i don't know if i believe him i think if he wins the super bowl i think tom brady's done i mean what do you think is tom brady if the patriots win today is tom brady back next year yeah i i still think he comes back just because of the fact that he's playing at such a high level you know with, with peyton i think if if Peyton Manning was still playing at a at a respectable or, or at a a level that would allow the, the Broncos to win football games still, then I think he would still be playing. But yeah. you look at how you look at the injuries and, 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 and all that and, and his health overall, not to mention his performance, I mean, that's why he decided, you know, that, that it was the end that was the end for him. So and and it, it in, in the case of Tom Brady, if that was the same thing, you know, if he was playing, you know, uh, at an average level, not Tom Brady-like level, then I think he'd be done too. But, I mean, he's still – I mean, Sonny, we talked about it. Two interceptions all season in 12 Two. Games. Two. Yeah. I mean, does that sound like a guy that wants, that's done playing football? It's not. I mean, so – for him to say he's going to play two more years, I buy it. I buy it. Now, I think next year, if they make it again, uh, and this is assuming they win tonight. So let's say they win tonight and they win next year. You're talking about that six ring. I think at that point, now you have to, if you're Tom Brady, son, you're looking in the mirror. You say, I have two more Super Bowl rings than any quarterback in the history of this league what else do i have to prove exactly and i think and i think bill belichick and i think bill belichick asks himself the same question 
I, that's why I think they're done. I and one of them, I think if they win the Super, I think one of them is done. If not both. Well, I mean, really, now, you think about the Cuervo, seven, how many years? 16 years these guys have been doing this, right? I mean, now, now, it, it, I, will, I will say this, though, Sonny. I didn't mean to cut you off. If one retires, the other is going to retire. It's going to be a package deal. I think you're right. Will. It, 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 it's not going to be, well, Belichick. It's like, it's like Michael. It's like Jordan and Phil Jackson in Chicago. You know, once – once Michael announced that he was going to retire, I, everybody in Chicago knew, okay, Phil Jackson's leaving too. It just wasn't going to happen because that's why Michael retired because they already knew Phil Jackson wasn't coming back. So, the, the, you know, the, the, the fact that they knew that, that's why Jordan decided to retire. And he wasn't going to play for anybody else. Tom Brady's not going to play for anybody else but Bill Belichick. That's just the reality of it. So, if one says to the other, the coach, or, hey, Tom, I'm, I'm thinking, about, thinking about hanging it up. And, and at that point, when, when you lose one, you're losing both. So yeah. I, that's why I tell all, all my buddies that are Patriots fans, I'm like, you go ahead and enjoy this now. Talk all the smack you want. But once either Brady or Belichick, one of them even utters the word retirement, that's it. The fun's over for the New England Patriots. You got to be, you got to start all over again. Yeah, and and here's the thing. I'm looking at this right now. Tom Brady signed a two-year deal, forty-one million with the New England Patriots. That included twenty-eight million dollars signing bonus, twenty-eight million dollars guaranteed. So a total of that for all of that, it, it's you know. The numbers don't even square off. I mean, because you do 28 and 28, that's over $50 million. But the, it was the guaranteed amount that it was. So the total coming out of this thing is over a $50 million contract. Now, now let's put it this way. I mean, look at Tom, Tom Brady's base salary is seven sixty four. Obviously, he's making more money in the incentives and uh, the uh, guaranteed money. I, so this is not about – I mean, I don't think it can be about money unless he really wants to – uh, solidify his legacy as far as his family is concerned for the next generations to come. This is not about money, I, but I, I think it. I think that two-year deal. I think that is they were wanting to get one more between that time. He could turn away from this contract and it won't bother him at all. I don't know if twenty-eight millions is, is enough to walk away. But when you look at Bill Belichick, though. Seven and a half million. So look at the big difference in those two, okay? And you're seeing the numbers. You're seeing a, Bill Belichick might not want to go through this again for seven and a half million, okay? The guy's made over 25, uh, what, no, uh, here it is, $32 million as the head coach of the, the, the Patriots. This guy doesn't need any more money for the headache. And this guy, does, it, this guy doesn't even look like he enjoys his job quite well. <laughs> Well, it doesn't look like he enjoys much unless you unless you catch him on a boat fishing. That's about it. Yeah, <laughs> he's just a grumpy old man. <laughs> yeah, he, he seems like he reminds me of me, man. I, I and I've been told that I can be a grumpy old man, and he reminds me well, of me when I don't no, want to talk really about funny. something. I don't want to talk about something, and when I'm made to talk about something, I don't want to talk about. You can see it in my well, face. Well, Sonny, here's the difference, though. Even even when you're excited about something, at least you have more than three words to say. Yeah. Unlike Bill Belichick. <laughs> and that's when you know he's pissed off. Actually, he's more pissed off when he speaks more. So if you make him mad, then, then he starts going on tangents and you actually hear him speak. 
But when he's okay and he's content, you know, he'll, you'll get the two, three word answers and he's like, or, or the psh. <laughs> the uh, one I remember, the one I remember, Jimmy Garoppolo was playing really well after four games. Would there be a quarterback controversy? And I, 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 I know the question had to be answered, asked, but it's the dumbest question that has ever had to be asked. Like, Bill Belichick, really, as much as Jimmy Garoppolo would be playing well, going 4 0 or whatever they get, the fact that anybody would even ask a dumbass question like that, that that's one of the things I like about Belichick. Yeah, he gave the, the longest answer I've ever heard him say. He said, Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, love it. It. I love it. I love it. That was the longest answer I've ever heard him give anything. And that's that's how you knew he was mad because he spoke more than three words. <laughs> so, I think I think it's I think it is hugely uh, it's so funny. It is so funny uh about this guy. And uh, by, by the way, he's got a hot wife by the way. Bill Belichick's wife I think is hot. If I'm not mistaken, I think his wife is could be supermodelish. Or something like that. I gotta check that out in case I'm mixing them up with somebody. But I, from what I remember, I think Bill Belichick's wife is hot, um, and, and just goes to show uh, <laughs> if you got enough money, I guess you could probably end up with whatever you want. Her name is Debbie Clark, and let me hit images. So Debbie Clark Belichick, and it's rolling. I got, I got. Yeah, she's hot. <laughs> <laughs> This woman, this woman's not just good looking, okay? <laughs> this is the kind of woman men leave their wives for, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I don't oh, know, maybe, maybe, maybe he speaks to her more than he does the media. At least for her sake, I hope so. Uh, unbelievable. Love it. Anyway, we are so far off. But it's been a fun conversation. But let's get back on back to the awards as we made we came to a fork in a row and we took a we took a sharp left off of that one. But back to the <laughs> back to the it's hard road, Sonny. We can do that. I, I I I like the pick of the defensive rookie of the year, Joey Bosa. By the way, that guy was badass. I mean, you know, I talk about a guy who didn't get a lot of uh, of uh, press, a lot of uh, things looking at. But every time I saw this guy on red zone, of course, you know that's where Sonny was watching his football. They were always showing a highlight of uh, of uh, Joey Bosa in the the game and obviously they're afternoon games so there are only two or three games going on at once but man i've seen a lot of joey bosa this guy it was a great pick for the chargers this year yeah a lot of people thought that you know including myself i'm like what are the what are the chargers doing like what are they thinking picking joey bosa like i'm like oh they don't need him they need a corner help and they should have went with Jalen ramsey and and this and that but you know what i mean ah you know, maybe I should cancel my chicken order and and get some crow instead because yeah. Well, I, I mean, I was I I was wrong to to assume that. Now, I, maybe if he uh, maybe it would have been an issue of no matter where he was going to go, like he was yeah. going to be successful. But the fact that um, you know, he 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 did what he did in in San Diego. Now the L.A. Chargers, which that's a whole other conversation, Sonny. But um, you know. Uh, I, I'm, you know, and all that stuff about him uh, with the contract and all that, you know, just 
for him to go out there and, and perform at the level that he did was really impressive. So um, Shows that he was you know, worth I, the weight and worth the money. Yeah. I, you know, maybe it's just one of those things like, look, just just pay me what I want and you won't regret it. Exactly. And here we are. So He's the only one lately has been able to really kind of you know, do that, except obviously – you know, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel, yeah, but I'm talking about high up on the level. Ezekiel did it. Joey Bosa did it as they were high in the uh, draft picks and stuff like that and made the name for him. But the one, the one award that really confuses me, and, and, and maybe it's because I don't know, it's the NFL play of the year. And I haven't seen it in Mike Evans. I haven't seen the quote unquote play of the year Um but I will tell you, this year I think was very light of big, big plays in reality uh, compared to what – I mean, there's some great catches. I think the play of the year myself would have been the Aaron Rodgers pass, but that was in a playoff game, so I don't think they counted that. But really, that's the only real play play that really kind of stands out to me uh, this season. I was thinking, man, that was spectacular. That wasn't just – that was spectacular. I can't remember the last time I felt that way after a year because there's usually something going on unless maybe I'm just – I'm getting old and maybe not remembering with that short-term memory problem that I got going on. Uh, I don't remember such great spectacular plays this year. Um, I mean, there were some, Sonny. I mean, you would have to sit there and take the time to go back and look to remember them all, but – you know, as far as ones that really stick out in your head, um, nah, you're right. I mean, not a whole lot. I mean, um, you know, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott against the, the Steelers was a pretty big play at the end when he scored that game-winning touchdown. That's one that yes. sticks out in my head. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, also when uh, Atlanta, when Kansas City was in Atlanta, and Eric Berry with the with the you know the the interception ran for two points to win the game. That was a pretty big one too. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't remember the Mike Evans play either, but um, it was but a one-handed catch. It was a one-handed catch against the Falcons. And um, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I see the picture, um, but I didn't see the play. A picture never really explains it very well. I, I mean, a picture you see a guy stretch on, but it looks like he just has them. But there was more to, obviously, the play um, for him to get the award. Um, but that's obviously not one where you look at okay. it and that's not an important one. Do you, do you see it, uh, what we're talking yeah. about? Yeah. So this, this was – it was a Thursday night game, Sonny. And, and I tell you, I mean <laughs> – it was, it was a Thursday night game on, on a bad game, so that's one of the reasons why I didn't see it. Yeah, I mean, if you remember Randy Moss when he first came into the league uh, with the Minnesota Vikings and some of the, some of the one-handed catches he made with the palm of his hand, that's yeah. the type of catch that that was. You know? Got it. So if you go back and you watch it, that is the type of catch that it was. So, um, I mean, it. I, 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 do, I, do I think that was the play of the year? Mm. No, because it really didn't impact the game. Tampa Bay was getting blown out at the time. Right. I'm watching it right now, and they were losing by 20 points, but it was a hell of a catch. But Great it didn't catch. make an impact on the game. So yeah, that's, what, that's t- where the award loses it for me, because let's be honest, Cuervo, if that had a direct impact on the game, I would remember sure. it. Obviously, look, look at the one I'm remembering. 
Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, pass in, but that was a playoff game to beat the Dallas Cowboys. The pa- the pass that you know virtually kind of won them the football game. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the one that stands out. That was an impact catch. I get what exactly what you're saying when you say it that way. And um, yeah, but and, and it. I would have picked the Eric Berry play. Uh, you know, I mean. That's the, game, the that's the one I remember exactly, Cuervo. That's the one I would have. Now, granted, I don't know who you know what the you know who was in the mark for that, but you know who was in the uh, running to win that award. I don't I don't know, but if that one wasn't in there, it should have been. Yeah, I don't I don't remember either. I mean, I I watched briefly the uh, award show. I uh, didn't pay too much attention to it, but I mean. You know, I'm, lo- I'm going back and I'm looking at this play, and it's like, dude, you were losing by 20 points when you made this catch. Great catch. Exactly. Now, but for it to win an award of play of the year, eh, that's a stretch, yeah. man. Like, uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's – I don't know. Yeah. It, to me, I think there were, there were many more plays that could have taken that award. So, I'm yeah. with you, Sonny. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think that should have been – that's the only one, because I, I look at the rest of them, Cuervo. I'm looking at Khalil Mack, Defensive Player of the Year. I'm okay with that. Dan Quinn now, with the Now, by the way, Sonny, Go ahead. I called that back in September. Yes, you did. I called, yep. I said, that's my sleeper. And uh, you're welcome for that. It, you're, it was the right pick, too. So, and, and I'm looking at the rest of them, and I'm literally okay with most of them except the coach of the year and the catch of the year. I, I'm up on top of the performer of the year, Derek Carr. Um, he could have you know, been right there as far as the, um, uh, of the uh, player of the year, um, you know, more than, than Matt Ryan, but I at think, the same time. I think if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, he was stayed healthy. I think he probably would have won that award. I, I, think, I think you're it right. Would have been a, it would have been a a real back and forth debate between between Derek Carr and uh, uh, you know Zeke Elliott. Which that's I think why they gave been. him the Performer of the Year. Those last two games, I, you're right, Cuervo. I think really hurt his chances of winning the win, win, yep. winning the award. Yeah. So. It, it, it is it, it is good so well that, that's good here's what we're going to do Cuervo we're going to go into our uh, into another break when we come back it's time to talk about the Hall of Fame because we, I want to spend I want to spend a good 40 minutes on that um, before we get into the last hour of the game itself the Super Bowl so that's what we're going to do we're going to take a quick break here on the Couch Potato Sports Show we are going to go ahead and go in and uh, get to our ads we like to thank our sponsors especially locally here in the Rowlett area Uh, We'll be back in four minutes and 17 seconds. We'll talk about the Hall of Fame. In 1998, Scooter's Coffee was born. Co-founders Don and Linda Eccles began their amazing journey when they opened up their first drive-thru coffee house in Bellevue, Nebraska. Their motto is, amazing people serving amazing drinks amazingly fast. Scooters only roast from the top 10% specialty coffee beans in the world. And their specialty? The Caramelicious. If you're new to Scooters, you can't go wrong with ordering this rich, velvety caramel gem. So make sure you check out Scooters Coffee, located at Rowlett Road in the 66, with a convenient drive through so you can get onto your business real quick. That's Scooters Coffee, located in Rowlett.
Buying or selling your home could be the single most important decision you make in your life. You need someone with the experience and know-how to help you through this decision. Brian Chadwick of JP and Associate Realtors has you covered. Knowing the specifics of the Rowlett and Rockwall area is his specialty. Contact Brian at 972-533-9059 or visit him on the web at brianchadwick.jphomesforsale.com. That's Brian with a Y, not nychadwick.jphomesforsale.com. At Chang Lee Saekwondo, learn the art of self-defense, discipline, respect, physical development, and mental focus. Become the best that you can be. At Chang Lee Saekwondo, we offer an after-school program, fitness kickboxing, birthday parties, summer camp, and homeschool classes. Check out our one-year anniversary special. Two weeks in a free uniform for $19.99. That's right, $19.99 gets you two weeks and the free uniform. Check out Chang Lee's at 469-506-4483 or visit them on the web at mychainlees.com. This is Sonny Clark, radio voice of your Rowlett Eagles, letting you know about the Mitchell Law Firm. Looking for a bankruptcy attorney in Rowlett? Talk directly to your bankruptcy attorney, not their paralegal. Get a personal touch directly from Greg Mitchell. The Mitchell Law Firm handles a wide variety of bankruptcy-related matters, including litigation arising out of bankruptcy matters in state as well as federal court. We represent both individual and small business debtors in Chapter 7, Chapter 11, and Chapter 13 bankruptcies. For more information, come in contact with Greg Mitchell at 972-463-8417. That's 972-463-8417. Or visit him on the web at www.mitchellps.com. Are you in need of an electrician in the Rowlett, Rockwall, or Saxe area? What kind of electrical work needs to be done, residential, business, or industrial? Contact Alan Bauer Electric for all of your electrical needs. It's important to have a qualified, licensed electrician taking care of any electrical problems you may be having, so your loved one or customers are safe. We have built our business on quality for a fair price, and good customer service, but of course... Give Alan Bauer Electric a call at 214-356-0197 and tell him Sonny sent you. Alan Bauer Electric, proud sponsor of the Rowlett Eagles radio broadcast. Lots we're talking about. Boy, I love the the drastic left turn that we took in that segment to talk uh, Joe Montana, uh, Steve Young, obviously some of the best quarterbacks in the uh, you know that we're talking about, and I, I think there's been a lot of debate and. Uh, in prepping for today's show, which I, I took about a couple hours to look at a couple of things. And, and one guy that, although I very rarely agree with the guy, and I know Cuervo likes him. I mean, he really, really likes the new guy who goes from ESPN and he heads on over to the Fox station. I'm talking about the herd. 
I, I sometimes really hate listening to this guy talk. So I, sometimes I think he in, he really analyzes the crap out of everything. Maybe that's what's good about him. Maybe that's what people see about him. Sometimes I think there's a little bit over analysis coming from him. But before we get into the Hall of Fame talk, I want to get in talk to about some of the best to ever play the game. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I have to admit it, and I hate to admit it because I don't like him and I don't like to agree with him. I think I'm right there with the herd, talking about who's the best. And I'm telling you right now, and I called this i called this two years ago, okay? The best quarterback to ever play the game is Tom Brady. You can sit here and argue all day long and have a valid argument about Joe Montana. And, and I think the, the, the valid con- – the, the validness of what's going on. He went to four Super Bowls. He won four Super Bowls. You know, he didn't lose any Super Bowls. And I get the value of that. But I think we also can miss the value that, that this is the seventh Super Bowl that uh, Tom Brady's been in. And, you know, and they're like in those Super Bowls that he lost, we're talking about one play before he has to get another one and has the most Super Bowl rings of quarterbacks of all time. I, I think we're missing the reality on how hard it is to do what Tom Brady did. I mean, I'm not taking away how hard it was for Joe Montana to do what he did, Cuervo, but I think we're missing, you know, the fact that how long, how much it took Tom Brady going. So the biggest argument I hear, and I hate it because it's a stupid one. Well, is it Tom Brady or is it the system? <laughs> you know, you, how many quarterbacks have been in a, a so-called great system but didn't get the job done? Uh, so whether or not it's the system or the quarterback, I think is irrelevant. And I think it's the dumbest conversation as far as who's going to be the best quarterback ever to put in there because – and like I heard said, go back to Joe Montana. I mean, gosh, he only had one of the best coaches ever and Bill Walsh sitting right there leading him. You want to talk about some of the best quarterbacks that you want to talk about were the best of all time had great coaches. So this is a crap excuse if I've ever heard of one. And that's the part I hate to admit that I think the herd is right on. It, it, why? It, uh, well, I know why they don't want to give Tom Brady his due because they think that's a cheating organization and stuff like that. But talk about pettiness. That's what's going on when I hear about why people won't, uh, won't admit or think or even anoint Tom Brady as being the best of all time, Corvo. I think the other, the other thing too, Sonny, is, is, you know, it's like you said, I mean, the whole cheating thing, um, <clears throat> you know, but I, I think it goes back to the knock on Montana. Well, you know, you can you can talk about Bill Walsh and, and the greatness that that he was, but I tell you, I think having a guy like Jerry Rice in, in your back pocket that helps. That that's that's something that helps a lot. So, and and when you talk about Tom Brady, well, arguably the best receiver he's ever had is Dion Branch, and that guy's not sniffing the Hall of Fame. Well, it was Randy Moss though, really, to be honest. Well, uh, but but I'm talking like longevity. I mean, Moss was there for a couple well. of years. They got Good to, point. They got to they got to one Super Bowl together. Him and Branch, I think, played in three together, if I'm not mistaken. So you're correct. You know, I, my thing is, oh, and you know, so you have Montana, you have Jerry Rice, you have 
you know, a great defense as well. I mean, you're talking about Hall of Famers like Ronnie Lott and, oh, yeah. and uh, oh, yeah. you know, guys like that. So, I mean, I think that uh, that's the thing about Montana is, is he had more around him. With Brady, uh, I mean, honestly, who on that Patriots team is going to be a Hall Maybe Rodney Harrison's going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, but as of right now, uh, unless my – my brain is totally just uh, forgotten about somebody. There's nobody from those teams that have recently gone into the Hall of Fame. I mean, no, no, none of them. Man. I I love to see. Yeah, that's the guy I'd love to see, but he he's not going to get in there. It's the Hall of Fame, not a Hall of Good. And 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 let's be honest, Teddy Bursky wasn't Hall of Fame. He was just good, really good, but not good enough. <laughs> And the same thing for Willie McGinnis, who's on NFL Network. Absolutely, but he's in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if McGinnis is in the Hall of Fame. Let me check. The good thing about Google, I'll check that. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, but when you look at those minor teams, I mean, you've got Jerry Rice. You've got, uh, you know, uh, Roger Craig, who you you can argue is a Hall of Famer. you got Ronnie Lott. you got Kenny Norton. You've got uh, – you know, there, there's a few guys on those on those 49er teams that that are Hall of Famers. So, and then the coach, of course. So, uh, in reality, I, I think those Niner teams were a little better built than these Patriot teams are, and um, that's the knock on Joe Montana, which which obviously gives Brady the edge. So, I don't know. That that's that's the way I I see it. So it's not so much about the coach. I mean, it's you got to have the players to execute. McGinnis well, was I mean, last really year. Willie McGinnis got in in 2015, or two years ago. Oh, he did. Okay. So that's one guy. <laughs> I mean, out of how many That's guys it. Your, your point is very well taken. You, you know, you actually had to go look that up more so than know it off the top of your head. I mean, yeah, Deion exactly Sanders, like, like you said, well, Deion Sanders is in the Hall of Fame, too. I mean, there's another one off the top of your head that you know, I mean, uh, which was an integral part of that whole system as well. No, in the one year that Deion was in San Francisco, yeah, he, they won the yeah. Super Bowl. So, I exactly. Mean, <laughs> the, impact, the impact. Right. So, I mean, but – at the end of the day, Sonny, I mean, it, 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 when you look at the total body of work, Brady has, with a win tonight, to me, he has surpassed Montana. More rings, okay, more rings. He's done it with less talent, number two. Without question. Number three, his overall numbers are better. I mean, more passing yards, more touchdowns. I think Montana may have less interceptions, though, too, but that's because he he only played in four and Brady's played in seven. (laughs) Right, right. So, well, I'm talking just just career numbers, though, too. Career numbers. You look at how much more Brady has thrown the football, and he still has only thrown a few more interceptions than Montana did. I mean, it can't be more than, like, maybe – 10 to 15 more interceptions, but I agree at the same time, but he's got like 20, 20,000 more yards, roughly 200 more touchdowns. 
I mean, the, the numbers are, are outrageous. So, um, you know, but, but the knock on, the knock on Brady is going to always be, well, you know, they his integrity. They're cheating. Yeah. Listen, every football player cheats until he gets caught, okay? I, you know, listen, I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard that statement. How many times have you heard it, Cuervo? It isn't cheating unless you get caught. Well, they got caught in the 17 years twice. I mean, okay, so two times out of 17 years. I mean, come on, can, can we, you know, I, and I get it. I understand the integrity of the game, blah, blah. Listen. We're talking about deflated balls and someone taking video. It's not like I mean I I really don't see the egregiousness of the offenses that everybody thinks that are so detrimental to the game. I I don't I I I I think a chop block, a guy that does chop blocks more, is more of a detriment to the game than than videotaping a practice or deflating a football. Because you're talking about taking someone's livelihood away. I mean, when you're talking about what they did, God, I don't even it don't even I don't even think about it. Mm. I would make the argument, Sonny, that what the Saints did the year they won the Super Bowl was more cheating what, than what the that, Patriots was that bounty done. gate. That was. Yeah. Yeah. I, that exactly. Was the same, that was the same year. And we don't talk about that anymore, Cuervo. Okay. Out of that, they won a, like you said, they won a Super Bowl and the bounties that were, but no one talks about that. They talk about Tom Brady and the reason why they talk about him, and you can, you can, open up any door that you want, whether it's jealousy or, or whether they just don't like them in a personal, I, I mean, I, I mean, I think I think bounty game was more scandalous than what ended up happening over in New England. I think I think it's envy, Sonny. It's not even really jealousy. It's got to be envy. Because that green monster notice, is amazing on what it will do to people. It's it if you notice in any sport, in any sport, except maybe baseball. And well, okay, you know what? I'm just going to use football and basketball as an example. Those okay. are the two big sports in, 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 in America today. Baseball, nobody pays enough attention to. It's an, it's an older generation that watches baseball. It's America's pastime. Okay? Hockey doesn't get enough attention. So uh, it's, not, it's not even – it's the fourth most popular sport in America. Arguably, maybe even the fifth most popular because soccer is starting to become huge. Um, that, that's true. If so, they don't watch it, they're going to overtake baseball. Yeah. So, so it, you know, when you look at the teams that have been successful, right, in football you've got the Patriots, you've got the Steelers, you've got, um, uh, you know, now the Dow- you know, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys had one year, but everybody's like, oh, God, they're so great. That's just how it is with the Cowboys. Um, everybody wants to look at the negative. It's like you've got to go straight to the negative points about these teams. The Golden yes. State Warriors, right? The Golden State Warriors, oh, you know, they had to buy their team, and they still couldn't win a championship. Well, yes, you know, how about the fact that they, you know, they've done something nobody's ever done before. They won 73 games. Now, personally, as a Bulls fan, Sonny, as you know, I chuckled a little bit when they didn't, they couldn't finish uh, the job they won seven yes. games and didn't and didn't win yes. the championship. I you loved it, funny, it. You know, what I mean? you loved it because you're yeah. a Bulls fan. You love that. But here's the thing: 
now that's what the Warriors are known for. It's not it's not about, you know, the fact You're that right. they have so one right. of the best point guard and Steph Curry. But but now that's when you say when you think about the Golden State Warriors, that's what you think about. Oh, 73, they couldn't even win the championship. They won 73 games. Oh, now they got <laughs> Kevin Durant. Now and now they got Kevin Durant and, and and you know, they're just they're just buying a championship. Cleveland Cavaliers, they win they win the uh they won the title, right? They're the the, the defending champions. Well, now we can't talk about the fact that they're a successful basketball team. No, we got to talk about oh, LeBron is this, LeBron is that. Oh, LeBron, you know, all the all the yep. LeBron haters come out and you know, it's the same thing with the Patriots. They're cheaters, they're they're liars. Um, you know, they deflate footballs, they have drones flying over um you know, uh, over practices, which, you know, supposedly that's a story. <laughs> You're not going to hear that on, on TV, but supposedly that happened. But, yeah. You know, but that, that's what they focus on. That's what people focus on when they think about the, the successful teams in sports. To me, that's the envy in it. You know, they, it's, not, it's not the fact that they're the successful, you know, uh, teams and franchises. It's they got to go straight to the negative parts, the aspects of yes. these teams, you know. To, so, I, to me, that that to me is the definition of envy. I agree. It, it's amazing. And, uh, and going from envy to the Hall of Fame. And it's time. I mean, it's time. And we... They, it's time to talk about it because, first of all, if you – by the way, that thread actually took off pretty well that I put up regarding Terrell Owens' miscarriage of justice, yeah. not me. And it, it took off. I love it. Lots of people have jumped in, including a lot of my family um, and uh, other people as well. Russ, I tried to get Russ Bliss on. He's the host of Fantasy Football Starters over in Phoenix, uh, which is how I got started in fantasy football over 20 years ago. God, it might – yeah, over 20 years ago, um, 25 years ago, actually. Um, it, but he's, he's busy, obviously, Super Bowl Sunday and everything else like that, so couldn't get him in. I was going to try to bring him in. Uh, that being said, here is the 2017 Hall of Fame class, okay? And uh, so we'll start with an owner, Jerry Jones. Now players, we'll get into players. Kurt Warner, okay? A, a guy that should have been in a couple of years ago, so I'm glad this guy got in. Not only that. He played arena football. So, you know, you, you got Sonny's attention, by the way. If you can be successful at arena football and then go and literally kick everybody's ass in the NFL. Okay. So you got my respect because you didn't do it just once. You did it twice on two different levels. Um, so that was there. But then we get into the players after that, Cuervo. I'm not impressed. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not. Morton Anderson's a kicker. No kicker should be in. Ray Guy is still questionable. So Morton Anderson, now they're starting to trend. Now we gotta now we gotta bring in the kickers. Hey, the kickers are kickers, okay? But it, it, look at looking at, at, at Kenny Easley. Now granted, I like Kenny Easley. I like him. I, I don't know necessarily. I, he could probably be a Hall of Famer. 
he could probably be a Hall of Famer. So, but whether he got it now, that still could be in question. Geez, how many years did Tim Brown go before he got into the Hall of Fame? So we can talk about that. But Terrell Davis, running back for the Broncos, in Jerry Jones, uh, it still bothers it. Jason Taylor, I like this guy. Uh, Hall of Famer question. Could he have waited another year? Probably. But Damian Tomlinson, I don't want to sound like an ass. Okay? All right. Deserves the first. Okay, no, I'm going to sound like an ass. This guy could have waited too. I, 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 I'll put it out there. I like LaDainian Tomlinson. I just don't think he is as great as everybody thinks that he is. So I just go on record to talk about my stupidity on why maybe he should have waited. But the big story, and it should be a story, is that Terrell Owens not making the Hall of Fame. Now, listen to the names that I named off. If you want to think LaDainian Tomlinson is a first-round ballot Fine. I, I, I can't argue with you intelligently about that because I think you're going <laughs> to – I think those that think LaDamian Tomlinson is a first-round uh, Hall of Famer is going to beat my, my thinking. But Jason Taylor, I think he could have waited. Jerry Jones, I, they're always going to put in an owner. Kenny Easley, I think could have waited. Terrell Owens, I think he could have waited. Burton Anderson shouldn't be in the uh, Hall of Fame. So I think there is a, a, a – Huge miscarriage of justice. Now, before we get into it, I honestly think that when I look at the whole thing and who got in, it's not about whether or not Terrell Owens should be in the Hall of Fame. Because I don't think there's too many people that will argue that if you just look at his numbers and look at what he has done as far as stats and numbers and everything else like that, everybody who's somewhat intelligent says that he's a Hall of Famer. That being said, why isn't he a Hall of Famer? Okay, and a lot of things that I've been reading, at least on my thread and all over the place, is that this guy's an ass, and there's no question. But I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of people in the NFL that were asses, and one of them was a first ballot Hall of Famer last year who's got – why he doesn't have a worse reputation than Tio does, I don't know, and I'm talking about Brett Favre, um, but – here we are, Terrell Owens, second year. Maybe if you want to keep Terrell Owens out for a year, I think I understand that because that's the ego of the people who make the vote and who do the voting. Uh-huh, I could keep you out if I want to kind of thing. But uh-huh. after the second year, I think I agree with Terrell Owens how much of a joke it is. Uh, on the first year, hey, I, I even accepted the fact. I even said I didn't think he was going to get in. But the second year, this guy should be a shoe-in. Should have been a shoe-in. Cuervo, he's not in the Hall of Fame. What is going on, Cuervo? Well, we talked about this, Sonny, and, and I think we both already knew that this was going to happen. But the, I think the, I'll the be honest. I didn't us, think it would happen. I'll be. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't. I did not think it would happen. I thought he would be in without question. Yeah. Well, I I kind of knew and. and and the reason why I knew is, is kind of a joke in itself. But well, I want to go back to what you talked about at the very beginning. If there's one kicker I had to put in the Hall of Fame, obviously he's still playing now. But when it's all said and done, there's one kicker that should be in the Hall of Fame. And I won't even use the word deserve because I don't like using that word. But his leg won two Super Bowls. Adam Vinatieri 
should be a Hall of Fame kicker. Without question, I'll give you that one. Because that of the, the direct one. impact that he had on the game. Yes, yes. And, and, and not even just the Super Bowls. I mean, look what he did to the Indianapolis Colts. Yes. When he first got there. He won a playoff game by himself against a nasty Baltimore Ravens defense. How many did he kick in that game? I want to say it was like four or five field goals. Yeah, something, was, something stupid. Yeah, it was kind of like the, the Steelers kicker a couple weeks ago. Exactly, a couple I mean, weeks ago. Field, mm-hmm. Yeah, field goal after field goal. But, I mean, obviously it's a history. You know, they went on to win the Super Bowl that year. So um, that that kind of had an impact on a Super Bowl as well. So you could argue his, his leg has helped you know, win three Super Bowls in two different franchises. Absolutely. Um, He's the now, only kicker I think should be in the in the Hall of Fame. I I, I believe yeah. that too. Vander Jack yeah. is close, by the way. I'll put that out there. Uh, he's close. Yeah, he's, he's close. close. Not not quite there, but he's close. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can make the argument for him, but um, he. I mean, his accuracy was was awesome. So I mean, that's incredible. But. Let's, let's, all right, I'm going to dive into this T.O. thing, Sonny. Um, there's two guys that I think they could have picked uh, or they could have had weight uh, so they could put T.O. in. Jason Taylor and Terrell Davis, nothing against those guys, Sonny, but, man. Pedestrian. Are they first ballot? Come on, Terrell, I'm sorry. You know, and whatever Bronco fans listen to, you, to the show, Sonny, you know, they, 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 may, they may email you and tell you you need to be co-host. That's fine. That's fine. But let me tell you something. So that guy had very – he was he – was, he was a good running back, don't get me wrong. But tell me, tell me oh. what impact he had. I mean, he oh, had – okay. I'll tell you, even though he had three touchdowns in that, in that Super Bowl against the Packers – if it wasn't for Elway spinning in the air like a helicopter, yes. the Broncos don't win that game. The Broncos Absolutely. don't win that game. So Absolutely. Don't give me the whole world TD look at the game he had in the Super Bowl. Dude, John Elway is the reason they won that game. I agree. A hundred percent. Jason Taylor. Okay. Jason Taylor, what is he? Maybe top 10 all-time stats for defensive players. Okay. T.O.? Top five. All and mostly number two in all of those top fives. Right. And let me tell you so let me tell you though, there's two reasons why, Sonny, T.O. is not a Hall of Famer today. Number one, his attitude. We all knew that. I think we, we talked about it. When T.O.'s up for the Hall of Fame, the reason he won't be a first style Hall of Fame famer is because of the way he talked and treated the media. We both knew it. We saw it coming. Now that it's here, it's like, I, I mean, why are we even upset about it? But the fact that it's actually happened, I guess that's what it is. It's like yes. the shock in, in, in the fact that it actually happened where he got snubbed. Uh, you know, top five all-time receiver, top three all-time receiver got snubbed. Okay. So, yeah. So, he didn't, you know, he gave the media a lot of, a lot of uh, headache. I mean, come on. I mean, if if you're going to let your personal feelings affect who you vote into the Hall of Fame, you shouldn't have exactly. a 
I agree. You should not have a vote. You've you got to keep it professional, Sonny. And I get it. T.O. in front of the camera didn't always keep it professional. But you're talking about, you know, when, when players play, they're in their 20s, early 30s. Some guys just aren't that mature. Some guys just don't think that way. Like, that's their opportunity to to let people know who, who they are or however you want to put it, okay? T.O. took advantage of those opportunities and and let people know who he was. He was he had a little immaturity, but, but what he did on the field, you cannot deny what he did on the field. And and and, and the people that, that voted against him because of their personal vendettas with T.O., they just denied one of, you know, uh, one of the top, you know, three receivers statistically of all time. I mean, they just took that away from – from you know a guy that 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 make the, you can talk about all all you want the things that he would say on camera, but he put everything on the field. He gave everything he had on the football field, and you cannot say and make the argument that he didn't. So what? It was a little outlandish. Is is it a shock that wide receiver that that a wide receiver it, it has a diva like? Personality, they all do it. Big shock. Big shock. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, but it's like every receiver has gotten penalized for that. Chris Carter wasn't the first Ballot Hall of Famer. Terrell Owens isn't the first Ballot Hall of Famer. Hell, even Andre Reid, who who was never. Shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. uh, And you can make that argument, Sonny, but not even he was a. Art Monk was not a first Ballot Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. And that's another guy that's in the top 10. Of, or maybe even top five all time mm-hmm. in every receiving statistical category. I mean, wh- who's next? What, Tony Gonzalez, arguably the greatest tight end ever? I bet they're going to probably say he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, too. Oh, uh, and, I, I, I bet he gets in. And, and, and that's an interesting point. Go ahead, but I bet you he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Go ahead. Yeah, but, you know, so that's one reason why. You know, the, 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 the way he talked to the media, the way he treated the media, um, you know, but you cannot, if you're, a, if you're a guy with a vote and you're a part of the media, you can't let your personal feelings get in the way and ignore the history and the stats that he put up, okay? Number two, and I said this, I said this three years ago, Sonny, it's the Jerry Rice effect. Yes. I, it's the Jerry Rice effect because he's the standard. And nobody's going to touch that standard. Nobody. So the fact that they're like, well, he didn't put up Jerry Rice numbers. Uh, nobody has put up Jerry Rice numbers. That's why Jerry Rice is the GOAT, because nobody has put up the numbers that he's put up. So uh, I, I, I think that, um, you know, if, if, he, now if, he is, if he doesn't get in next year, so then, then we have a real serious problem. Well, he won't now, now you really have to sit here and wonder, what is the criteria? What is, what is it that these voters are looking for? What are they looking for? Is it, is it more about what they did on the field and their numbers? Or is it now, it's, well, how much did I like this guy? Because that's what it kind of seems like to me. Okay. Yes. Is it not, is it not a coincidence that three guys who work 
on the NFL Network, who Jerry Jones owns, got in the Hall of Fame. Well, Danny Thompson, Kurt Warner, Terrell Davis. All three of those guys worked for the NFL Network. God, I didn't even think guys. about that, Cuervo. Great point. I don't, I don't know. Is, is it a coincidence? Maybe. But to me, it seems like more it's like a popularity contest now. Who do we like the most? Yeah, let's, let's vote those guys in. Uh, take that. And, you know, and, and so I don't blame T.O. for what he said. It is a joke. These voters are a joke because all they're doing is the, they're hooking up their buddies, you know, the guys that they like. Oh, I'm going to put him in the Hall of Fame because I like him. He's a friend. Well, you know what? I'm going to pull your man card first, and then I'm going to pull your, your right to vote because that's not what it should be about. The Hall of Fame, it's not the Hall of Popularity. Exactly. I mean, you know, so LT, LT, what LT did on the field, let's not, I mean, he still has the record for most rushing touchdowns in the season, okay? I will give him that. I'm not going to knock him for not having a Super Bowl ring, all right? The, the, The Chargers, when they fired Marty Schottenheimer, that was their opportunity, and they let it go. So oh yeah, you can't put that you can't put that on LT. Um, I agree. I however, agree. However, however, when it comes to Terrell Davis and Jason Taylor, mm, I'm not mm. buying it, Sonny. You know, I, I I just I I can't I don't see it. I, I don't see how those guys are Hall of Famers. Hall of really good, yeah. Hall of you know top five at their position at one point in time, yeah. The Hall of Fame? Are those guys that that defensive and offensive coordinators had nightmares about before exactly. having to play them? No. Well, Terrell maybe – hold on. Maybe Terrell Davis did that, but not on a consistent level as he had, a Hall of Famer would. He had two years Two or three years. That, that was really like – Okay, he's the best in the game right now. Yeah, I agree. After that, he was done. After that, I mean, the the, the, the headaches, the migraines started coming, the injuries started coming, and that was it. It was just kind of like he just, I mean, he just vanished in thin air, Sonny, really. Jason Taylor, I mean, yeah, he got a lot of sacks, but is that a guy that offensive coordinators are like, man, we got to watch out for Jason Taylor? Uh, Maybe for a couple of years, but then he moved on to Washington and his career fell apart. Now, T.O., on the other hand, whether he was in San Francisco, whether he was in Philly, Dallas, even even the year he was in Cincinnati, and we talked about it. Yes. Still, I'm the show. In Cincinnati, with, with Ocho Cinco, you, I mean, if you, if you were a defensive coordinator at that time, Sonny, when you had to deal with T.O., that guy had you up all night. How the hell are we going to stop this guy? How is he not going to go off for 150 and, and two or three touchdowns? The dude played with a broken ankle in the Super Bowl, Sonny. Are you kidding me? He got a Hall of Fame first ballot? Cuervo, listen, you, you, you hit the nail. And I, I'm reading, and, and with all due respect to the people who, thank you, by the way, posted on my thread, you know, talking about this guy being selfish, I want to jump into that because that was my main point of this 
whole thing. Everybody talks about Terrell, uh, uh, Terrell Owens being selfish. And, folks, one thing that people did not realize, like Cuervo just said, the broken ankle. Folks, he had to sign a waiver, and if he got hurt, he would have lost out on $35 million. He had to sign a waiver that if he got hurt in that game, he would be out $35 million. Now, granted, I, I, now, to me, now, granted, I, I'm not going to argue with someone that's going to say, guess what? He's a selfish player. I, I get that, and I could see where people can come up with that idea. But what they didn't see, what the risk that this guy took, that could have had a very selfish reason for not playing in that game, Cuervo. And, but in order for the Philadelphia Eagles to win that Super Bowl, if they were going to do it, they couldn't do it without T.O., okay? It's it just plain and simple. I mean, you had Donovan McNabb, for God's sake. That's it. And believe me, that was nothing to be – well, Westbrook was okay. But he, he, he was nothing to worry about. But when you put Terrell Owens out on that football field, in that football game, your defensive coordinator had to figure out what were you going to do to stop Terrell Owens. And the simple fact of the matter is, is if you want to call out Terrell Owens for being selfish, I'm going to tell you, you, you may just see him as a diva and there's too much personal because if he's selfish, this guy would not have signed this waiver that would have cost them 35 million bucks if they got hurt. And back in the day when we know targeting was a big deal and we know bounties were big, okay, they could have just took his leg out. You know, that's where the part of the selfishness of it is. Is this guy a diva? Yes. This guy, Terrell Owens, okay, the voice of the Allen Wranglers when he played in the Arena League. Uh, in the uh, IFL, the Indoor Football League. Diva, he would not even say, you're listening to the Couch Potato Sports Show on Blog Talk Radio. This is Terrell Owens. Yeah, you guys are jerk. An incredible jerk. In fact, I wouldn't spend five minutes in front of him if I had the choice. But I'm not going to let my personal feelings get away of the fact that that's the part that everybody wants to forget. He signed away 35 million bucks if he got hurt in that football game. Now, if that's not unselfish, because the only way that the Eagles were going to win that Super Bowl was with him in the lineup, I don't know what's unselfish. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm going to be honest with you, Sonny, and, and, and um, for everybody listening – I'm sure they already know. We don't, we don't uh, uh, sit down over the phone or, or video chat or anything like that and, and plan the show. This is just, we go off of the top of our heads. I don't yep. know what Sonny's going to talk about. Sonny doesn't know what I'm going to say. He's not, nope. I think that's pretty obvious based on reactions. We don't know what each other's going to say. Now, I never knew that. I never knew. Yep that he had to sign that waiver and the fact that he risked 35 million bucks. Exactly. Um, Actually, it was 38.5 million. I'm going to tell you right now, Sonny, if it, let's say, let's, let's rewind the clock and it's, and it's that Super Bowl is about to be played. 2004. 
Yeah, let's go. Or, let's 2000, I want to 2005, but the 2004 season, regular season. Okay, so let's say it's – let's rewind the clock. It's 2005 right now, and we're talking about this Super Bowl, right? Patriots versus Eagles, okay? It's 1 p.m. on the West Coast. The, the, the game starts in a little – just under three hours. And Sonny tells me, hey, Cuervo, listen, uh, I'm going to make a bet with you that uh, that T.O. plays in this game. But if he plays in this game and he gets hurt, um, he loses $38 million bucks. How much you want to make a bet that he plays? There ain't no way in hell I'm making that bet. I don't exactly. Care if it's a $5 bet. I, I agree. It's five bucks. Because I'm like, there's no way a guy like T.O. is going to risk a guy like million. Dollars. Exactly. I'm, I'm speaking from the media's point of view. Or Absolutely. I get what you're saying. Vendetta, has a personal vendetta against Terrell Owens. Oh, a guy like T.O., uh, that diva receiver, guys like Steve Smith. Oh, nah, there ain't no way he's risking that money because – you know, uh, T.O., he, he's, he's a diva. He, he's not going to risk that money. There's no way he plays in this game. Absolutely. There's no way. That's you why, know, that's why up, the, the feeling about Terrell Owens is out and everything else selfish. It's about me. It's about me. It's about image. But it, it, in, they talk about how this guy tore up locker rooms. But I, I'm going to tell you, if it's a guy like, quote, unquote, T.O., not putting 38 and a half million bucks at risk, at risk, if he re-injured it because he just had had uh, ankle surgery on December 22nd, folks, with a fractured tibula. Okay, and a torn uh, deltoid ligament. That was the injury that he went under the knife for December 22nd, yet he's sitting there ready to play in the Super Bowl. But, oh, he's selfish. I'm missing it because these are people who want to make that statement that don't have the background of the real truth of the guy. And, again, folks, personally, I hate this guy. I'm not not a Terrell Owens fan. Hate, that's probably not the right. I'm not a Terrell Owens fan, okay? I'll pump him up for the Wranglers because I was working with the Wranglers, but I'm not a Terrell Owens fan. But for someone to say – for a guy that has to sign a waiver with a risk of losing $38.5 million is selfish, they just don't understand what the definition of selfish is. Here, here's my take on it, Tony. I, I, think, I think wide receivers are, are – the misconception of wide receivers is that they are divas and that they're – yeah, I mean they can be jerks or whatever, but that they're cocky and and they're 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 arrogant stuff like that. I think a lot of people don't understand that the reason they are the way they are is because it, it's it's the competitive nature in them. Yes, and, and you don't you don't see that in any other position in the National Football League. I, I think you I agree see, with you. Uh, I mean, you may hear a little smack talk here and there. Uh, you know, maybe between uh, offensive linemen and defensive linemen or something like that. But, I'm, but it's not you, – you can't compare that to, uh, you know, a receiver in a corner. I mean, you look at the situation with Odell Beckham and Josh Norman. Yeah. Um, I think, that, I think they, they, they took it a little too far, but I think what it really came down to was 
they were trying to bring out the best in each other. There's nothing personal against these guys. It's not like it's not like, you know, one slept with another, you know, a guy's wife or, or, or long term girlfriend or or something like that. It's just two guys being competitive on the field. But but that's but that's misconceived as they're divas and they're they're arrogant and they're and they're selfish and they're uh, you know, this and that. Now, you calling him a jerk I get it, Sonny, because you've seen him off cameras, absolutely of, off the football field. So you know the type of person he is personally, not not the prof- not just the professional side. You know, yeah, he's a jerk. You know, he doesn't he doesn't want to uh, be bothered or whatever the case may be, and that's fine. You know, if he doesn't want to be bugged, he doesn't want to be bugged. But the but the ones that the ones that um, you know, do the smack talk and all that stuff, and, and when they're on the camera, it's not because they're jerks. It's because they're competitive. Yes. A, you know, a guy, a guy like Richard Sherman, go, let's go look into what he does off the field. Yes. I'm sure he does a lot of good things in, in, in the community up there in Seattle. But, but because he's a smack talker on, on camera and he wants to bring out the best in, his, in the competition – Oh, he's a jerk. And he probably won't be a first ballot Hall of Famer either. And my question would be to any of those future Hall of Famers, whether it's Sherman, whether it's Odell Beckham, would any of them for one Super Bowl game give up the $38.5 million? And I'm, I, I think in today's game and today's society and to the way everybody thinks about their quote-unquote future – you wouldn't see Odell Beckham in that game. I don't think they'd sign that waiver. I don't think they would. I, I, maybe it's me, but I don't think they would. And now, if I'm wrong, that, that, that won't be ever a situation. And if it is a situation, we'll find out what kind of people they are. But if you oh. say, I, I, but I just don't see Richard Sherman, Odell Beckham, or, or the other guy that's really, really good. At, he plays for Denver. Tlaib, I couldn't see them for one game Super Bowl signing away a, a risk of thirty-eight and a half million bucks. Right but out of surgery. Find, and that's when you find out, Sonny, what, what is what is a, a man's true motivation? What is a player's true motivation? Is it absolutely? And set them up for for success, you know, after retirement financially, or is it I want to be known as as, as a winner and a guy that competed at the highest level possible? Like, what is their true motivation? And you really don't know the answer to that until they're they're faced with it, with the reality. Absolutely, of it. we'll yep. never we'll never we'll never know if Odell Beckham will uh, would sign that waiver unless the Giants are in the Super Bowl again. We'll never know if if Josh and Norman. Or, or uh, yeah, and he's hurt. Uh, Norman or, or any of these other guys until until they, you know, are in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, I'll use Julio Jones as an example for today. Good point. But, you know, would, would he be a guy that signs a waiver like that? It's crazy. I, and, that, and that's when, so when, I, and I didn't, I couldn't figure out a way to word that on my thread. Okay, but uh, there's lots of people in there, you know, it's saying he's a diva and he's selfish and things. And, and, and that's fine. I guess they have the right to their opinion. But I, I, I don't think the guy's selfish, per se, if you're going to sign away 38 million bucks. I just I, I just it, that 
that just reps with hypocrisy that that would even happen. And in today's game, I'm going to tell you right now, most superstars are not signing that waiver. I, I believe that. Because it's not about the game anymore, Cuervo. You and, you and I both, I think, understand this. It's not about the game. You make your money playing the game, but it's about what you can put in your pocket from that game. And if you're not out on the football field, guess what? You're not well, making that money. And, and you're not going to put well, yourself in the risk to sign away that amount of money. That's how much Terrell Owens put on this game. He put $38.5 bucks up. To play in that game. And not only that, I, 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 I'm going to pull up the stats. He played great, by the way, in that game. And so, uh, interestingly enough, we won't want to give Terrell Owens that credit or they don't want to remember it or they don't want to see the real truth of what that is because he's a diva, because he is the pain in the ass that he is. Um, and, and you get that. So when you when you look at it as a whole, yeah, you can say, yeah, Terrell, and he didn't deserve it. But when you talk about what you said, uh, Cuervo, the passion of the game of what he brings to the table, what he brings, we'll never know exactly what Odell Beckham, uh, Richard Sherman, uh, Tlaib would have done in that same situation. But something tells me I don't think any of those three would do it, and if – they did, it would have only been one. Um, so I'd give them a 33% chance of one of them signing that kind of thing away. Um, and that would be all depend upon how much money they made. And remember at the time, that 38 million bucks, he hadn't made a lot of money. He made some money, but not a huge amount of money to where you, you don't want to leave that off the table for the rest of your career. No. Yeah. I mean, at that point in his career, Sonny, that was a lot of money because he was, he was in the prime. I mean, when oh, he was God, in yeah. Philly, he was he was starting to really hit his prime, and then in Dallas is when he really is when he took off as a receiver. Absolutely. I mean, his years in Dallas, you could argue he was the best receiver in the game. So, um, you know, it, it was between him and Moss at the time. But here, here's why I think I'd say ninety five percent of players would never sign a waiver like that anymore. Because you got to remember, back back then, Sonny, players didn't know what they know now yeah. about the research of players' health in the NFL. All this, all this stuff about um, the concussions, all that, that that stuff wasn't known about back then. I mean, you're talking about 12 years ago. Yep. Nobody nobody had the knowledge yet, but now that we do. I don't I don't see I don't see ninety five percent of these guys signing a waiver like that because in their mind they're like, damn, if I go out there and I risk thirty eight million bucks and I get hurt, not only do I lose out on that thirty eight million bucks my career is over. But the NFL my career's over and the NFL is just gonna be shake my hand and say, Hey, thanks for everything because that's the way the players think now. They, yes. they, don't, they don't care. They don't care about us. That's that's the mentality that players have now. They don't care about us. They just want want us to go out there, sacrifice our body for as long as we can, and uh, you know, shake our hand and say, "Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out." And that's it. Craziness. That and and, and I didn't know how to put that in the words, so I couldn't write it down. 
uh, within my thread. Thanks for everybody that came in the thread. Uh, but as far as Diva, yeah, he's there. Uh, but if anybody has enough nerve to call this guy selfish, as far as, you know, and, and if you want to use what he's in the locker room. By the way, just to let you know, former NFL football player um, uh, signed uh, or put his opinion on that, uh, on that, uh, on my thread. Um uh, about what T.O. had done as far as when he was there, because he was in the locker room with him and things of that sort. So, um, and I, I, I'll even go to, I'll even go to that point where I think he's completely didn't know who Torrell Owens is to, to the extent. Um, but it was a good thread. I'm glad people announced, uh, got up there and, and put something up uh, as far as the threads. My brother's a big, you know, we were arguing, not necessarily arguing, but having a disagreement on what should be on there or whether he should be on there or not. Uh, but Robbie Wilson, this is what Robbie Wilson said. Okay, former NFL player, no issues with T.O. in the locker room. He knows firsthand. He was in the locker room with this guy. No issues. Um, so a lot of that could be blown out of proportion too, because NFL players, if you look, if you think about NFL players, when they think about supposed, supposed locker room issues, they're not really issues at all because they see it all the time. So it's not really an issue. It's the media that makes it a locker room issue more so than it really is in a locker room issue, Cuervo. Sure. And, and, and you know, all the time we, we uh, hear certain stories, but, it's because a lot of times the media takes out of proportion what was said about something, you know, yes. and, 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 you know, but, but you can't blame the media. Sonny. They have a job to do, you know, their, their job is to exaggerate stories and make it something that it's not. <laughs> that's what well, they you do. can't blame them because that's their job. But at the same time, yeah. they got more so than selling newspapers like they did in 2004. Now it's about clicks on their website in order for them to get paid. So sure. they'll put yep. out just about anything to get a click. You get a like, a share, uh, like, share, yeah, all that crap. Retweet um, any any of those things that that involve spreading news, spreading gossip, and however you want to call it, but I mean, that's, that's what they do though. You know, it, yep. it's like, it's like lining a hundred people up. Right. And you, and you tell the first person something by the time it gets to the hundredth person, it's something totally different. Oh yeah. And, totally and, different. And they're just like, Whoa. And you go back to the first person and they're like, yeah, that's not what I said. <laughs> and that's not how it was supposed to be. Or it was uh, taken uh, out of context. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, that, that, that's the way it goes now. Um, also, what you're saying, it, just like how you were talking about earlier with the Bill Belichick thing, um, you know, I don't know if, if, if he made a comment or somebody made a comment. Oh, so does that mean when Tom Brady comes back, there's going to be a quarter, quarterback controversy? Yeah. And, that's, and that's why Belichick had the, had the uh, reaction. That oh, had. Jesus like, Christ. It's like, yeah, exactly. And like, come on, you, you, come on. There's, there is no, unless Tom Brady gets into a car accident, and I, I hope that never happens, and he breaks both legs. That would be the only way Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, starts over Tom Brady. Or absolutely. And by the way, know, just to point this out, I think Tom Brady would sign that waiver. Just to let you know, that Terrell Owens. I think Tom Brady would sign it. 
doesn't care about money, Sonny. I mean, exactly. How many times has he restructured? That's why he's fine. Structured. That's like, yeah, how many times is he? Yeah, his base salary is $768,000 square, bro. His base salary, obviously, he's getting paid in uh, you know bonuses and stuff, but his base salary is $786,000. And that's highway robbery. I mean, the, <laughs> joke. the whole front office should be arrested. Yeah, I know. Robbery, they get away with so. it because it was perfect, and that's how they get around the salary cap. It's a, it, it's a stroke of genius. Well, I, it, it's a stroke of genius, but at the same time, it's 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 something that everyone buys into. When you when you go to New England and you be and you play for the Patriots, you buy into excuse me what they do, and you know it's it, it's all about sacrifice. I mean, and I think that's the big thing that a lot of people don't understand is you know, and it may not be broadcasted on TV and it gets, doesn't get talked about, but if you read between the lines, Sonny. These guys, every every player on this Patriots team, they have sacrificed something financially for the greater good of being where they are today. Absolutely. And that's and that's in their seventh Super Bowl. Well, for Brady and Belichick's seventh Super Bowl, but the franchise as a whole, seventh Super Bowl. It's like, look, it, it's almost like recruiting in college. If you want to be a part of this and you want and you want to play for one of these rings, then um, then don't worry about being paid. Uh, as as a top tight end or linebacker or running back in the league, or uh, making you a make... priority in your career in New England. Right. If you want to be known as a champion, you want to wear this jewelry right here. You'll then, come here. Um, then you then you're going to come here. You may not get paid uh, as much as you would going to you know to another team, but I guarantee you those guys are going to be watching you. Uh, you know they have they have hundred dollar bills surrounding them in their bed, but they're going to be watching you play the Super Bowl, uh, and that's why guys like Jamie Collins is gone because yep. he claimed he wanted Von Miller like money. Okay, you want Von Miller money? I'm going to send Go you somewhere to else. That's going to give you that money, and they sent him to Cleveland. <laughs> and, and, now, and, and, and by the way, send him uh, gladly to Cleveland. Yeah. Oh, I mean they they didn't hesitate, and and, and the reason I mean. They got a fourth round pick for him, Sonny. I mean, fourth round, fourth round. They couldn't wait to get rid nothing. Of him. They could have easily, nothing they for easily fought, They could have easily fought for a second round pick for Jamie Collins. Easily. But they settled for a fourth rounder because they're like, we just want to get rid of him because he he, he doesn't he, fit he, the mold of what championships are built on. He doesn't feel because he's more worried about the money than he is about winning championships. That's the reason why he don't last very long in New England. And that's why he's he's sitting on his couch right now, and he's not part of the team playing in Houston. He could be there right now. He could be there right now. But he, he, he got a smell of those Benjamins, and he's like, well, I want more of these. I want more. Yep. Okay. Go for it, man. You can you get it in Cleveland. Good luck for good luck for you to win a championship in the next seven years in Cleveland. You you go right he ahead. He ain't ever gonna win in Cleveland so <laughs> ever. That's, that's so. <laughs> All right, guys. Now we got to turn to the game because we're gonna kick it. I'm gonna kick into the last break of the show. Uh, by the way, it's been an outstanding show, uh, if I do say so ourselves. Um, so we'll do that. We'll be back. 
Yeah, three minutes and 53 seconds. We'll be back and we'll talk about the game. Who do we got? Who do you got? Why do you got? What's going on? What do you think about this year's Super Bowl? We'll talk about that after the break here on the Couch Potato Sports Show. And that being said, it's Super Bowl Sunday Talk. We'll be right back. At Regal and Rustic Estate Sales, let us take the burden out of hosting, staging, and cleaning of your estate sale or liquidation. We will provide reliable, friendly service with an experienced crew. We have an excellent reputation for professionalism with exceptional customer service and knowledge. We understand that staging and drawing attention to your sale is key. Most importantly, we listen to our customers' needs and pay attention to detail. That is what separates us from other local estate sales and companies as we truly care about your presentation, property, and belongings. That's Rego and Rustic Estate Sales. Contact Renee Sheffield at 972-861-0231 or check us out on the web at regalandrustic.com. Don't just call any heating and air conditioning repairman. Call an expert. At Stevenson's Heating and Air Conditioning, we are your experts. Whether it's a seasonal maintenance that keeps your system running at a peak efficiency or a complete replacement of your system, Stevenson's Heating and Air Conditioning does it all. Common Sense Solutions for your home comfort. Stevenson's, where quality is our standard, not our goal. Give them a call at 972-475-3227 or check them out on the web at stevensonshvac.com. Let Buffalo Creek Doors and Floors help you restore your home to its like-new condition. Need a contractor? Let us be your first stop as well as your last. We specialize in everything that others don't, such as stained concrete floors, wood spot repairs on doors and floors, stainless steel spot repairs, anti-slip on floors, and more. Want to see what kind of work we do? Check out our Facebook page and you can see the craftsmanship you'll receive and expect from Buffalo Creek Doors and Floors. Give Rodney James a call at 214-536-2607. That's 214-536-2607. Or check him out on the web at www.buffalocreekdoorsandfloors.com. At Wesson General Contracting Incorporated, we're your one-stop shop for all your general contracting needs. We are locally owned and with over 20 years of experience, so roofing, gutters, sidings, fence staining, painting, foundation problems, or roof damage are no problems at all. Give us a call at 214-200-5588. That's 214-200-5588. Wesson General Contractors. Proud sponsor of the Rowlett Eagles radio broadcast. Unpleasant surprises can be annoying, but sometimes they can be devastating. If your retirement plan is vulnerable to unpleasant surprises, you do have a choice. There are strategies that can help ensure any surprise is a welcome one and reduce the threats to your retirement. Nest Egg Wealth Advisors specialize in helping protect your portfolio from unpleasant surprises. Visit nesteggadvice.com or give them a call at 972-412-6064 to request a guide to your nice, predictable retirement. 
All right, we are back here on the Couch Potato Sports Show. It is me, Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio. Got a text message. It's really amazing to me. And they want to put aside the fact that he he didn't – they don't want to acknowledge Charles Owens putting – Thirty-eight and a half million off to the side, but they still want to call him selfish. I'm really amazed at some of the text messages that I can get. But hey, at least they're listening to the show. I guess I could, I should be happy about that. But oh my goodness, come on, you're not selfish. Is if you're giving up thirty-eight and a half million dollars in order to play one game, and your career could be over if you get hurt, because no one's going to resign you after it. I mean, it's just incredible to me. But yet. Yeah, Terrell Owens, he's selfish. Got it. I, I get it. I understand it. I just want to know. I'm going to ask Corval, wonder what color the sky is in their little world. Uh, it must be, <laughs> must be pretty gloomy. Purple. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty must gloomy be orange or, or yeah, some, some out of this world color, but. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, I appreciate the listens. At least they're listening, right? At least they're listening. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. See, that's the thing, Sonny. We're talking about something that's a controversial topic, and it's it's getting people's attention. That's what it's all about. I love it. I I, I appreciate everyone listening. So, (laughs) you bet. um, You know, I mean, ah, sacrifice, Sonny. I'm telling you, a lot of people don't understand that that word really means. I think I'm right there with you. You got to know what it means, and, and that's what it is. But all right, but now let's get to the game. That's the important thing. Let's talk about the game. Let's talk about let's what everybody's going to be doing here in a few hours. Go ahead, Corvo. No, I said let's do it. All right, here we go. New England Patriots taking on the Atlanta Falcons. And the Atlanta Falcons is quote unquote the home team. Who cares? I mean, I was reading an article about the home field advantage for Atlanta. Spare me, please. I mean, geez, it's a neutral site. No one's got a home field advantage. So um, that, that's as much stupidity I want to talk about that quote-unquote advantage. That having been said, 14-2, uh, uh, New England Patriots in the regular season to 11-5 uh, football team. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things to talk about in this game, Cuervo, especially on the Atlanta side. I mean, you got the MVP, you got a, a wide receiver that is incredible in Julio Jones. I mean, just remember when they got this guy, they gave away the farm to get this guy. And why? It's for a game like today, Cuervo. When you look at the Atlanta Falcons and what they did in order to bring Julio Jones here, they gave the farm away. Now they're sitting where they wanted to. A couple of years later, maybe, than what they desired, but yet here they are today, Cuervo. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it took a while for that for that to pay off, but, um, you know, I, I don't finally think that's did. why they made it. To, yeah, I, but I'm going to tell you, Sonny, I don't think that's why the, the Falcons are here in the Super Bowl today. It has very little to do with what Julio Jones, um, you know, that trade for him. Now, I'm, I'm not saying – Julio Jones hasn't made a difference. I mean, he's he obviously has, but this combination of things why Atlanta here is here today. Um, yes, you know, ob- obviously um, the, the way Matt Ryan has played. I think I'm stating the obvious here, but I'm gonna tell you, Sonny, it's it, it's been it's been it's been a change of attitude 
in Atlanta, a change of a philosophy in Atlanta. That's what really changes teams. It's not so much the players. It's the the uh, philosophy of the team itself. And and they've gotten better. They've gotten better, especially defensively. And that to me is the big reason why they're here today. The defense has done has done ever since they hired Dan Quinn. It's it's complete 180, Sonny. I mean, this, this it needed, and it needed it. Yeah, I mean, they've gone from you know soft and slow to uh, fast and fierce. Uh, I mean, that that's that's what you get with the Falcons' defense now. They are uh, a big part of you know the the success. It's not just Matt Ryan anymore. I mean, there's a lot more to this team now than just Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. I mean, you look at the running game, too. The running game is a big part. And they have a great two-headed monster with Freeman and, and Coleman. Um, you could argue that that's another big reason why they're yes. here today. Without them, I mean, you tell me how many teams that, that are one-dimensional that make it as far as, as you know, the Falcons have. It, it, it rarely, rarely happens. And you say one-dimensional, but I I don't know. You know, this is not a one-dimensional football team. I mean, when when you talk to the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, well, no. Dan, yeah. No, uh, but so, that's what I'm saying. They're not one-dimensional. Oh, okay, very good, good. So yeah, because I mean, it's, it's hey Dan Quinn. Okay, this is his second year. His first one, you know, ah, you know, he had to get his feet wet. You know, so. But right. the second highest scoring offense in the NFL at 33.8 points a game, okay? Top of the NFC, all right? So now they're going for the Lombardi Trophy today. That's the hardware everybody wants. And it's the only one that matters. It don't matter about NFC championships. It matters about what's going to be worn on your right middle or your right ring finger. Not your left, but your right. So that's what it's all about that. Now, you throw in the fact that you got Dan Quinn doing what he's done defensively. You got Kyle Shanahan, which, by the way, won the assistant coach of the year uh, within the awards, by the way, very well earned as well. Um, So you got this guy sitting there doing what he's doing with Matt Ryan, the quote-unquote offensive player of the year and MVP. Um, So you you expect, hopefully – a team to be able to do what they have done all year long. But one of the things that worries me about a team that is that good offensively, Cuervo, is a two-week break. And, and, and I, I think when I, when I watch teams like this outside of the Patriots, because the Patriots, when you give them two weeks to prepare, they're going to find something to target on and try to take it out. So – but more so when I look at Atlanta and Julio Jones, 17 yards per reception, by the way, okay? All right. You're going to get some attention to him. What, it, what do you think Bill Belichick's answer is going to be to that? You've you got Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's going to touch the ball every single time offensively. But mm-hmm. how are you going to do it? Uh, what do you, I, see, I, th- I, know, I think I know the key to this game, and I'm not going to say it. I'm going to wait for you. What do you think the key for this game for the Atlanta Falcons to get the victory, Cuervo? Well, nine, nine out of ten people would say, well, put pressure on Matt Ryan. Well, that's easier said than done. 
That's true. The key is, and again, what what do the Patriots, what what do they do? Well, they try to take away your best player. They try to take away the thing that you do the best. Okay. Julio Jones is, is obviously the best player on that offense. That's not a quarterback. Correct. Trying to stop him. Yeah, you can do that. But I tell you, Sonny, when you when you double team guys, what does that do? That leaves somebody else open. So, honestly, I think for New England, they have to they have to mix up their defense and disguise what they're doing defensively to try and create confusion with Matt Ryan. And if if, if they can't get Matt Ryan to, uh, they can't confuse him. Uh, then it's going to be a long day for that defense. Um, so that, to me, that's that's how the Patriots are going to slow down this high-powered offense in the Falcons. Now, I don't know this if that's is, where you were going with it, but that's my thing. Close, close, Cuervo, because you, you made the valid point. When you look at this and you, you know, simple minds of football are going to sit there, well, you're going to double down on Julio Jones. What does that do? Right. It, let's just say they do that. Let, let's just throw that out there. What I'm going to tell you right now is that if the New England Patriots don't have an answer for Mohamed Sanu, they're going to lose this game. And yeah. he is the X factor in this game because of what they may do. Now, here, we go back to what we always say on this show. If, God, if I'm thinking of it, why wouldn't Bill Belichick think this? I, you know, I don't know. But I don't think Bill Belichick is going to go down to double down on Julio. I, I, I don't, and if he does, I don't think he's going to do it a lot. And that creates that confusion that you're talking about, Cuervo, because this team, this New England Patriots team, can ill afford to let Mohamed Sanu let the Atlanta Falcons beat you. And I think that's where the only way they can do it. I mean, you're going to stop Freeman. Freeman's not going to run the ball here today. I, I, I just look at this. He's not going to run the ball. The, the only thing that you got to do is you got to find a different way to win this game because traditionally you're either A, going to have to get heat on Matt Ryan, which I don't think you're going to get, okay? So I think he's going to be able to stand in the pocket. I mean, the New England Patriots off our defensive line is not known to get to the quarterback. They're known to create problems for the quarterback more so than getting the sacks, meaning the hands up and everything, and all the, the techniques that football players on the defensive line do. Hands up, strong rush, standing up when you get pushed up off a block. All these things that these guys do to confuse a quarterback that, you know, I don't know if Matt Ryan would be able to really recognize during the game. I, I really believe that. Um, so this Patriots team knows how to do it. And if they're not going to get you one way, Cuervo, they got two weeks to get you two and three ways. And that's and they'll figure out what's going to work within the first quarter of this football game on the defensive side of the ball. So, obviously, I'm looking at this football game. As far as Atlanta's concerned, they better get Mohamed Sanu involved with this football game if they start doubling down. But what I think more importantly for the Patriots to win the game is they got to recognize what's not working that they brought into the game plan and figure it out early that it's not working. Because if they don't and they hang on to it too much, it can cost them not just seven points. It can, in a quick manner of when you go to halftime into the third quarter, that can cost you 21 points, depending on the situation on what you do with your first drive in the third quarter. 
Yeah, good point, Sonny. I mean, you know, and, and I know a lot of people are talking about Mohamed Sanu since everybody already knows New England's going to do everything they can to get rid of Julio Jones and, and eliminate him from from any type of uh, Are they going to uh, double down or are they going to single him? What do you think? No, I mean, you, you, I don't think you can double down on him the whole game, Cuervo. It's going to cost you in the cover, too. It is, but I think I think you know what that'll do is just they'll just have to put up a nickel package. You know, nickel packages, more DBs, more safeties, whatever. Um, but you know that that's that's what that's where doing things like getting rid of a Jamie Collins, getting rid of a Chandler Jones, yes. getting rid of those guys. That this is where it hurts you because when you have an offense like the Falcons. You need those extra guys that can go out and cover. Jamie Collins can do that. Chandler Jones can even do that. It's for as big as a guy he is. That's um, you know what I mean, like exactly. That's that's to me. But here here's my thing. So so okay, Muhammad Sanu. You mentioned Muhammad Sanu. I'm gonna take it a step further, Sonny. I think the 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 kid that has come onto the scene the last month month and a half for the Atlanta Falcons is going to be the difference maker. And I'm talking about Taylor Gabriel, the wide receiver for the Falcons. That's yes. the guy that you need to watch out for today, Sonny, because not only can, can you use him as a slot receiver, the, the Falcons probably are going to use him in, in some type of way in the backfield. On top of that, we all know New England doesn't have the greatest special teams. Look for Taylor Gabriel to make a difference on special teams as well. Well, th- then Atlanta needs to figure out how he becomes the Hogan. You know what I'm saying? And if you don't know my reference, I'm talking about Hogan uh, two weeks ago as the New England Patriots were taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, Hogan was targeted 12 times, nine receptions, 180 yards, and two touchdowns. That's what he's got to be like, Cuervo. I get exactly what you're saying. But you go back to that game, and this is one of the things. We – what I've been hearing all week long is is that the deficiency for the New England Patriots in this game is not offensively, it's defensively. But look what they did to Brown against the Steelers. Nine targets, seven receptions, 77 yards, and one of those was 18 yards. They took Antonio Brown completely out of this game, Cuervo, and because I don't think Ten, nine targets is enough for an Antonio Brown in a game of that kind of magnitude if the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to try to get a victory over this football team. And now you can go to Bell all you want, okay? Don't get me wrong. I, I understand the value of Bell, and especially I understand the value of Bell in the receiving points. But Bell did not have one receiving reception in that game. So what the Patriots were able to do is keep Bell running the football for only 20 yards, okay, and take him completely out of the passing game. So we talk about the deficiency of the Patriots being defensively. They stopped one of the best in the game in Bell, and they stopped one of the best in the wide receiver in the game in Antonio Brown. You can't tell me that right now the Patriots have one of the best defenses in the NFL when you stop two main targets coming at you. And frankly, to be honest if you want to think Freeman is as good as Bell go ahead I don't think he can carry his jock but let's just say for argument's sake they can do it they can stop Freeman they can stop 
Julio Jones, and they're going to win this football game, Cuervo. I, and I just gave away my pick. Um, but I don't think it was any secret what my pick was going to be anyway. But that having been said, this is how they're going to win the football game. Tom Brady is going to be Tom Brady. He's going to throw four touchdowns in this game, maybe run one in or maybe get it to, to his running back, or Darian Brunt, and he's going to get a touchdown here and there. And they're just going to be the New England Patriots, Business as usual, because guess what? That's what got them to this game, and they did business as usual against the Steelers two weeks ago. Yeah, Sam, but here's the difference. You know, the um, I'm, and I'm just going to talk about the postseason for right now. Okay, the, the, the okay. two big receivers that New England had to go up against, DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown, Okay. I think Hopkins is maybe six foot, six foot one. Antonio Brown is five eleven. Julio Jones is six foot three. So There's a good point. A four, Didn't even think about four, that. Four, with a four four uh, forty time or something like that, he's fast. We all we all know that Julio Jones got some speed on him. Okay. Wait, before you go further, who's better, Antonio Brown or Julio Jones? Uh well, I tell you. Uh, when you have size and speed, that's, I mean, that's, that's a combination that you can't, you know, you can't. Uh, uh, you give up a few yards you know, to Julio Jones, you're correct. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, God, imagine, put, put Julio Jones on the Steelers and, and see how, how many, what numbers he puts up. With They'd a quarterback be like Ben. Every year. Every year they'd be in. Absolutely. Yeah, Julio Jones is the best receiver in the game right now. I agree with I, you. And I love. I, I got love for Antonio Brown. I got love for Des Bryant. I got love for uh, you know the, these other guys. Um, you know Odell Beckham. I got love for him too. But boy, that guy was destined you, to be the best wide receiver in the NFL. I believe that too. He's six foot three, Sonny. Exactly. I mean, he's by far. Calvin John, he's Calvin Johnson, but better. Faster. He's faster. So that's my thing. You know, when, when, I, when I looked at this game, Sonny, I looked at all the matchups, and I looked at height advantages, and I looked at all this stuff. I'm going to tell you, first of all, let me just say this. And, and, and this, this is up for debate. This is just my opinion. The problem with the Patriots this year, you go back and you look at their schedule during the regular season, okay? Yes. You can, you can make the argument that the best offense that they played against was either Houston or the Baltimore Ravens, okay? Now, when you look at those two offenses, yeah, you got, again, you've got DeAndre Hopkins, and they, got, they, they eliminated DeAndre Hopkins both times when they played the Houston Texans. When I looked at the, the Ravens, they had to come back and win that game, Sonny. If you remember, it was a Monday night game. New England had to come back and beat Joe Flacco and beat the Ravens in that game. Steve Smith, who's their best receiver, that's another five foot ten guy. They have not faced a receiver like Julio Jones all season long, is my point. Well, they, they, they have the Steelers be- in week seven, Cuervo. But again, Antonio Brown, it, it, it comes it, – the point I'm making, Sonny, is 
These corners, okay, Malcolm Butler, five foot ten. Logan Ryan, six foot even. Justin Coleman, six foot even. No, who's going to stop Julio? It's easier said than done. It's, Julio, it's, it's easier said than done. You know, be, oh, well, you know, that's what the Patriots do best. They, they get rid of your best player. Okay, good luck stopping a guy like Julio Jones. But how do you how do you explain just just to throw this out? How do you explain how the Patriots took Antonio Brown out of both games, that playoff game and the regular season game? Because who because Antonio Brown, 106 yards, no touchdowns, not not an not an issue in the in uh, week seven of the NFL season, and he wasn't even the 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 Patriots did the same thing in this game as they did in the playoff game, is they took off. One of their one-two punch, at least. I'm not. I can't remember what Bell did, but I know during the regular season that they stopped. Mm-hmm. They stopped Antonio Brown, and I went. And I know oh. that number off my head. 106 yards, no touchdowns. Why did they do that? Because in that game, that should have been a game that if the Steelers were going to make a play for the playoffs, that was a game they had to win. Well, if you remember though, too, Sonny. Ben Roethlisberger did not play in that game. Did not. not I, now, I forgot about that. So, there you go. There, good point. Now, another thing, too, okay? The thing about it, the difference between Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, um, Antonio is not a very physical guy. Not, he's, not, he's not a physical he's gonna guy. He's going to hurt like you Julio more Jones. in the open field is what you're saying. Yes, yes. And, and, and I'm not saying Julio Jones can't. He's fast. He may not be as agile, and he may not be able to break ankles like Antonio Brown can. Uh, but off off the line, okay. And this is where this is where Antonio Brown, I think, was 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 beat up against Patriots, but and this is how they slowed him down because they got physical with him up the uh, you know on the line. Right. That's something that that you really don't. Uh, uh, Unless you have a lot of confidence in, in your in your safeties, like the Patriots do with with McCourty and, and Patrick Chung, then you know you you cannot allow uh, a guy like Antonio Brown to beat you off the off the uh, off the line. But the thing is, New England got physical with him, and 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 really they gave they, you know, they whacked him a couple of times, and I think that really kind of. You know, it's like a boxer getting, you know, a, a left hook without expecting it. You know? and, and, and I don't think Brown knew how to respond to that. So, um, so Julio Jones, go ahead and try that. Julio Jones is a much more physical receiver. He's got the bigger build. He's got the bigger frame. Um, so you can try that, 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 you know, stuff off the line all you want. But uh, he'll see you in the end zone with the football. That, that's really what it comes down to. How much of a difference Ben Roethlisberger not being in that game really affected that game? I mean, remember you still had you still had I, it, it, you still had Bell, who was arguably that was one of his first games back actually after that suspension, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. You know, so everybody is talking about what that what that I mean. It, it can, can a team like the Steelers go without Ben Roethlisberger, even with a Bell, even with an Antonio Brown, to get those victories and be, you know, I, I don't know. I, and, that, and that's why I'm asking what your opinion would be, because I don't, I don't think they can be. I think they have to have Ben Roethlisberger 
to be that viable, even if you do have Bell doing what he does at the running back position. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to have Ben. I mean, if you don't have Ben, then, and that's why the Steelers lost to New England as much as they did the first time. You know, I mean, the second time it was just, you know, the, the, the secondary just kept getting, you know, blown away by by Chris Hogan of all people. So, I, I mean, you know, I think the bigger question is, is Ben even going to come back next year? That's you know, a, I think he about, will be. I, I, I mean, have you heard something that keeps him not in that thinking? Well, I mean, he's made comments about, uh, you know, we'll see if I'm back. I mean, that that's come out of that's come out of the horse's mouth. Wow. He's taking the off season to reevaluate or you know evaluate himself, and um, you know, talk about if I come back. Oof. I mean, I mean that that's I don't I don't think that's very fair to the Steelers organization, Sonny, because now. Now, what, what the Steelers are thinking is, man, do we draft a quarterback in the first round? What do we do here? I think and Ben then, Roethlisberger then, still has a problem with his offensive coordinator and Todd Haley. I really do. I think they've, I think they've you know, sugar-coated it enough, but I still think there's animosity there. Because really, if you think about Ben Roethlisberger and what he's been doing since he's been there, it's not been Roethlisberger-esque before that. I mean, there's no – it's almost like two different quarterbacks that has come, you know, that before Haley to compared to after Haley. And I think there's a problem there that is not being talked about. Everybody – oh, they say there's no problem, but no one's talking about it. Yeah, no, and, and nobody – I mean, because, because that's the difference between the Steelers and, and some other organizations where they keep their, their problems – you know, behind closed doors, they they keep their dirt. They don't air the dirty laundry out, as they say. Well, it got out for uh, a while, though, didn't it, Cuervo? It, it did, but I mean, you know, it, it's it's easy to, um, you know, kind of blanket a situation, uh, especially when you have the reputation as the Steelers do. Um, you know, you you could sit there and say uh, everything's cool. Some teams they may not buy it, but with the Steelers, you're like, okay, yeah, I I, I believe it. Now, is it true? Probably not. But um, I think I think the Steelers have built enough equity in the media to really get people to believe certain things. And, I, that it, that's my point. Thank you, Cuervo. Yeah, you know, I mean, but uh, you know, I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me, Sonny. Yeah, you're probably right. There's probably still some tension in between the two of them. And, I think you know, I guess the way so we really huge. know. <laughs> I think that it, what will really be the telling thing is, is let's say Todd Haley leaves Pittsburgh. Well, now we know for sure Ben's probably going to come back. And I, I think that's, that's the, I think that's yep. the, I think there's an ultimatum there that nobody's talking about. It's you know Ben says, look, either 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 uh, Todd Haley walks or I walk. Who's it going to be? And they're doing a good job, at least of the last couple of years. They, they, you know, at least the public persona is that they love each other. And I, I'm just not falling sure. for it. I'm just not falling for it. Not the way that it came out. Cuervo, if it was just some minor disagreements on what was going on, I think I could believe it. But let me tell you something. When that was coming out, that was huge at the time. Um, it, it was such big news. We talked about it for four weeks. I mean, I I remember it, so it, it's really interesting. But getting back to that, I mean, back to the game, obviously, you know, 
with what that Patriot team did with Ben Roethlisberger, granted, I, there's a lot of problems there, but man, they managed to take all three of them out of the game, Cuervo. They took all three of them, Antonio Brown and Bell and Ben Roethlisberger. Now, Ben Roethlisberger, he was 31 and 47, 314 yards, one touchdown, but the interception pretty much erased the touchdown. That's taking Ben Roethlisberger out of the game. Um, so, you know, I, I I think if they could do it with Ben Roethlisberger, if they could do it with Avion Bell and Brown, I think they can do it. But here's what I think. I think Antonio, um, I think uh, Julio Jones is going to get his own. Julio Jones is going to go for over 110 yards and maybe a touchdown, maybe two. It's how that the Patriots react to that and how they stay in a game if they get behind. Because I'm going to tell you right now, comes down to the last possession of this game, and it's in New England's hands, they're going to win the Super Bowl, period. Okay, because this team knows how to win in that, in that situation. So even that situation, if they get out in front, they're going to win, or if it comes down to the last drive and they got the ball, the game's over. I don't even think you even have to watch the game. That's how good this New England Patriot team is if it has to come down to that last, uh, that last possession. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's what the Patriots are known for is, you know, they, they, being, being clutch in the biggest moments uh, oh, that's of, of great the game word. Or, or, you know, that that's, and that's what they've built a lot of the reputation on is, is when it counts the most, the team comes together, they find a way to make it, make it happen. And they find a way to win games and, you know, um, I mean, look what they did last time they were in the Super Bowl against the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, you know, they, Seattle goes down and, um, you know, they uh, they almost score if it wasn't for, you know, Pete Carroll making one of the worst calls in history to not run the ball with Marshawn Lynch. Um, you know, we could be talking about Seattle being back-to-back champions, but the defense – came in, they made a play when they had to. And I mean, that that doesn't happen if Tom Brady, the drive before it didn't go down and, and, uh, you know, sprinkle a little, sprinkle a little bit of, uh, of that Tom Brady magic that he always does. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. All right. Yeah. I gave my pick out. I, you know, within early, I, but here's what I think. I I think the, not only this, I, you know, I, they're going to figure it out. I think Patriots win by 10. I mean, a double digit, I I think that they're going to be that good. Or if it comes down to the last possession, you know, forget it. Patriots win the game. But if Atlanta figures out, I mean, how to get it done, they, you know, I think they got to get up on top of the Patriots and then be able to hold on. And if they go into a prevent defense, they're going to lose this game. They got to continue to be that defensive team that Dan Quinn can be in order for them to win. But I got the Patriots by 10. Uh, so I'm putting it, I, I'm putting it out there. Uh, 30, uh, 35 to 24, 11 point win. What do you got? All right, Sonny. I, I mean, I, my head was hurting almost. Just going back and forth, trying to really think about who am I going to take in this game, and you know, really in reality, I have I have reasons to take both, you know, either one of these teams, Sonny. Absolutely, um, I get it. You know, it, it's you that's got, why the got, line is three, Cuervo. Yeah, I mean, you got David versus Goliath in this game, really, Sonny. I mean, you got the team yes. that has been to nine Super Bowl, well, seven. We'll just say seven for the sake of. Well, Belichick's been to 10, but yes. So, I mean, you know, 
the point is you've got you've got one team who's got a lot of Super Bowl experience, and then you got the new guys, okay? The the new sheriffs in town in the NFC. Um, you know that, and that's that's what makes me lean towards New England. However, however, oh, another thing too. I mean, you know, uh, I think the big thing too is is the um, the situation with Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Um, is is he really? Mm, how do I say? Focusing on today. Or is he thinking about what's what's down the road for him? Because NFL Network just reported that he's he's going to take the job in San Francisco. He's going to be coaching. Of course he coach. is. Now the question is, does that affect the way he coaches uh, in this game? Good point. It, it always happens, does it not? I mean, every time we see that's what they say anyway. Guys, yes. You know, every time we see uh, uh, an offensive or any type of coordinator. Um, they're going to accept a job somewhere that, you know, next year, it, oh, it's always a problem. And that's what's got me leaning towards New England. Okay. That, that's a, that's a, that's going to be something to really watch out for the play calling of the Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to tell you why I'm taking the dirty birds though. I'm taking the dirty birds. So I'm going oh to man, way. you've been listening to a lot of media. <laughs> no, 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 no. See, and I know the, the the fan favorite pick is because you know again everybody hates the Patriots. Of course, but I've got my own. I've got my own take on this. Okay. All right. All right. So here we go. I'm 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 done drawing this thing out. Like I mentioned earlier, the best offense that the New England Patriots have faced this year, arguably, it's either the Texans or the Ravens. They're not even close to being on Atlanta's level. As you as you say, they can't hold Atlanta's jock. Okay, so this is by far the best offense that the Patriots have faced this year. Now, on the other side, on the other side, the most the, the best defense that the Patriots have played, arguably, was Seattle. And what happened in that game, Sonny? They lost at home, and that was with Gronkowski. No Gronk in this game, right? No Gronk. This is by far the most athletic defense that they've played, that they're this going to true. play today. Yeah, that's a okay. good point. All right. Next thing, another thing. Who, who on the Patriots' defense is going to slow down this Falcons' offense? There's, to me, the, the reason that I, I'm picking Atlanta is the speed of the Falcons on both sides of the ball. This really has me – this really feels like – uh, you know, three years ago when Seattle did what they did to the Denver Broncos, okay? You got the experienced team in the Broncos with, with all of, you know, with, 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 the, with the Sheriff Peyton Manning. Yes. Okay? They're, they're, they're the favorites because they're the, they're the ones that are known, right? They're the ones that everybody, it's like everybody knows who they are, okay? They're, yep. they're the guy in the bar that everybody knows his name, like Cheers. Yes. Then you Norm. got. Then you had, yeah, like Norm. You got. Then you got Seattle. They they were the new guys. The the young, the young kids who who are like who who are these guys? What are they doing here? And and from the start, just, I mean, they they punched Denver in the mouth, and they didn't look back, and they didn't look back. This this feels like, 
this feels a lot like that Super Bowl. And, 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 and it's got me feeling like we could see the same. It may not be a blowout, Sonny, but I think we could see the same things happening. The yeah. speed of the Falcons will take over in this game. And I'm going to take, and this may surprise you, Sonny, but I've got an MVP pick for you that may surprise you. And it's a defensive player. Okay. I'm going to pick Dwight Freeney to be the Super Bowl MVP because the Patriots are going to be so focused on Vic Beasley. They don't want Vic Beasley, the guy with 15 and a half sacks, to hurt him uh, on the defensive side. It's going to free up a guy like Dwight Freeney, the guy that everybody thought was washed up and, and got nothing left in him. Uh, and he's going to come out and he's going to get a couple of sacks on Brady and it's going to make the difference in this game. The Falcons will win the Super Bowl, Sonny, and Dwight Freeney will win the Super Bowl MVP. If the Falcons win, Mohamed Sanu is going to get the MVP. And if the Patriots win, it's going to be Tom Brady. But I still have the Patriots by 10 in this one, or 11 in reality. Um, I, by 10. So, you know, I, yeah, I, I say it, it's hard to get 31, but I, I think they win by, you know, it, it, that – yeah, thirty-four, twenty-four. You know, somewhere. Around. I think I think they win this game. You know, where they don't have to worry about it. In we'll see what happens. That's going to do it for us here on the Couch Potato Sports Show. We did three hours, which is absolutely wonderful. Which is one of the things I love about this show. Um, so, and it was easy, by the way, um, it, which is what it is always on Sunday. So, for Cuervo and his. Dirty Birds, and me, Sonny Clark, and the Fly High Patriots. It's going to be a good one tonight here on Super Bowl Sunday. That's going to do it for us here on the Couch Potato Sports Show. And that being said, everybody, have a good one. Cuervo, enjoy the game, my friend. Oh, you do the same, Sonny. I've got, I've got uh, like I said, i got some, some chicken getting ready. Uh, we're going to have some, some uh, other appetizers. And, of course, lots and lots of Bud Light. There you go. Spaghetti and meatballs for me tonight. So there you go. It's going to be a good one. Everybody enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. Don't forget about the Couch Potato Sports Show for our coverage as well. Ed Eagles Varsity Basketball continues on Tuesday as the Eagles take on the North Garland Raiders. Then on Friday, they end up with the season. And we'll have that coverage on the Couch Potato Sports Show as well. Don't forget about Inside the CIF with Sonny Clark. That's coming next week as well. As well, we get back to you on Sunday. We'll talk about Super Bowl Sunday and all that good stuff. That's going to do it for us, everybody. Have a good one. Bye-bye.